Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 52. And we have kind of an interesting episode today. Oh my god, do we ever. Whether you're a parent or not, there's just so many things that we as people can relate on, and I think it's great just to get other people's perspectives on things. We have Pamela DeBarth. I was so excited about this one. So she is a totally infamous groupie from the 60s and 70s, and like, you don't think, you know, groupie now who might be with all these unknown bands, but this is at the time when there were like five awesome bands at a time that would dominate the industry and the charts. And Pam was with all of them. Pamela was with Mick Jagger, Keith Moon, Waylon Jennings, like... The Beatles. Well, she loved the Beatles. I know, but you're saying with, like... No, I mean like had sex with. Like she dated. She Jimmy Page was going to propose to her. Okay, but I guess... A big part of this conversation, too, is just dispelling the idea that being a groupie is just having sex. Mm -hmm. She was so into the music and loved the hang and the hangout and being the the friendship and the stories and the fun. And that's really what I took from this, too. And I mean, like, she was the character that Penny Lane was based off of. Like, it was actually an amalgam of three women. And we we get into that, and it, it is so fascinating to hear her take on the movie Almost Famous itself and just kind of, you know, the term groupie and how it's evolved and sex in general. But the actual likeness mm-hmm. was based off of Pamela. Yeah, yeah, Penny clothes Lane. and everything. So it's it's very interesting. It starts off a little odd, the interview. I, I, kept, <laughs> I kept this part in just uh, to give people some context. So, you know, Pamela's been around for a long time and she's written a very popular book. It's a best-selling book. Six you, books. But I mean, the, the, her first book oh, yeah. was written yeah, yeah. many years ago. That's the one that a lot of people uh, cite her for. What's it called again? I'm with the band. I'm with the band. And so she was a little, not on edge, but she just was like, this isn't going to be one of those interviews where you ask all the cl- classic questions. And we were kind of like, yee, like, yikes, <laughs> what if it is? We don't know. So you're, you'll notice we are a little gun shy to ask questions off the top because we didn't want to be your typical interview so at one time she's mentioning the beatles and you're probably wanting to jump out of your, your airpods <laughs> whatever you're listening to because we kind of are scared to ask the typical questions we do warm up as it goes yeah. we also didn't want to i was a little scared because i i misheard an interview with Howard Stern, and I thought it was yes. Pamela on it. It wasn't. It must have been one of the other two people that Penny Lane was based off of. So there's a part where I'm like, oh, I heard you on St- Howard Stern talking about sex. And she mentions, hey, I wouldn't go on Howard Stern, and I don't <laughs> talk like that. Luckily, my question that I had planned mm-hmm. wasn't about sex. Oh. A little awkward moment, uncomfortable for me, but I hope Pam knows that we really did plan on kind of doing a different interview. I was so nervous. Originally, I was just so nervous to talk to Pamela because I loved her book. I'm with the band and I have another book of hers, Let's Spend the Night Together. And I just thought it was so much fun to read. I read them when I was like 17, 18 years old. And then when she came on and started like that, like I've been answering the same questions for 40 decades, I got so 40 nervous. 40 decades? Oh, 40 de- is she immortal? <laughs> 
for four decades. And uh, I got so nervous. I was like, oh, crap. Like, am I not allowed to ask anything? And I just I just didn't know what to do for that. Like you said, 10 minutes. And then it got it got a lot more comfortable. Well, we were trying to be respectful. She's a little and, older. And, and stick away from the, the sex stuff. And like, you know, like if it was Howard Stern, you'd be like, oh, who is the biggest <laughs> penis? You know, but obviously I want to stay away from that. But it's funny. A couple of these interviews that we've been having lately, I have to step away from the mic for like half an hour because the, yeah. you have the baby. So I walk away and I don't hear the rest of the interview until I'm editing. <laughs> so the second I'm gone, it's like she starts talking about how many men she's counted, how many men she slept with. You're, you're like, how many men is that? You're like, <laughs> you want the definitive number. I can't and, help myself. But it was very interesting. and I do think it's a little bit more comfortable and disarming when it's just you two rather than when it's like me asking well, those questions. It eventually turned it like into like talk. a sleepover vibe. Yeah. I felt like I Pam Pamela might say something differently, but I felt well, like she we were has, having a sleepover. She has a podcast called Pajama Pajama uh, Party. Pajama Party with with Pam. So I think the sleepover analogy is good. Yeah, yeah, no, it was and, fun. And last but not least, we have Emily Schneider. We have the Empowerus. That's what I was gonna say. So she is a Reiki master and tarot card reader. And first thing that comes to your mind when you hear those things is probably weirdo or something like that but she is anything but that she's very down to earth very normal she is so warm the conversation was so easy she's currently pregnant and she's going through so much in her life yet she is so full of this like you know i'm gonna get in that kind of lingo but like that warm energy and honestly she makes me feel into reiki into tarot cards everything well this is our rock star episode too because she is married to Max Schneider. He just goes by the name Max, but this guy is one of the biggest acts in music right now. He's oh, a solo, ar- solo artist. He's an actor. He was in uh, the Beach Boys movie with John Cusack. What's that called? Oh, oh. Um, what is the John Cusack Beach Boys movie called? This is 116. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's so useless. I know. Love and Mercy. Ah. I had actually interviewed Max before for... The Mike on Much podcast. I I did kind of like an in between two ferns style Eric Andre oh, interview type thing. It's a doozy. You go watch it. Well, I don't know if you should go watch it, but <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I'm I'm you know I'm being like how those people are, and Max wasn't really in on the bit, but he was nothing but gracious. He loved and, it, yeah. Gracious and kind. I don't know if he did love it, but he was very kind to me. Well, it was kind of awkward because you say something in that interview that makes it seem like I'm incredibly sexually attracted to Max, and then when I was talking to Emily and booking her for this interview, you know, you were like, "Hey, send her the interview I did with Max." So I sent it to her. And then I rewatched it because it had been a while. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is kind of awkward. We, we can tell them. This is a very sex positive show. But basically, <laughs> the bit is that you have a crush on Max. Yes. And I'm telling Max this as I'm interviewing him. And I'm like, you'll never believe it, Max. I walked in. She's <laughs> pleasuring herself to one of your videos. She's, she's got the mute button on. And she's just pleasuring herself watching you shirtless. And he's like, no way. I'm like, yes way. <laughs> and then I go on this whole thing because Max has this like perfect little face and like perfect features. And I'm just like, how do I, how many nose jobs would it take for me to look like you? And he, he starts laughing and we go into various bits, but point is he played it like so well and was so kind to me. And I started following him afterwards and then kind of started following Emily afterwards mm-hmm. too. And I really got into them as a couple and their story. So I guess this is kind of a theme episode of hippie rock star cool vibes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyhow, you did make it awkward for me when I was booking Emily because I had to bring that up specifically and say that it was definitely not true and that you throw me under the bus for comedy. And she said Max did the same to her. So let's get to it. And Shane, before we do, I'd like to give you a little toast. We are drinking a Seedlip Garden 108 Watermelon Sour tonight. Cheers. And this is obviously a very delicious drink. This is one of the more tasty, one of the tastier Seedlip drinks. Highly recommend it. It's It's like this. It's like the episode. It's refreshing. It's delicious. It's fun. I had to essentially make something with like vinegar and watermelon. I think it's like kimchi and it's like good for you too. Possibly. But yeah. it, it's not, it still tastes like an alcoholic beverage, you know? Oh my God, like we, It's funny. We tried this without the seed lip and then we tried it with the seed <laughs> lip. It's undrinkable without the seed lip. Yeah. Somehow it, the seed lip cuts it so nice. Oh, it's incredible. Anyway, we like this drink so much we actually decided to make a video about it. Uh, this is not something... Uh, that we we just chose to do this. We weren't mm-hmm. paid to do this, but we wanted you guys to try the seed lip, and we thought one of the best drinks would be a good. Yeah, no, I think I think it's fun to have you guys make it. Let us know what you think because it is one of our one of our favorite ways to drink it. But yeah, uh, something I wanted to bring up too: if someone listened to episode fifty-one and they said, "Wow, that audio was just a bag of dog shit," how could you ever do that to Wells? Because Wells Adams was our our last guest. He felt the same, by the way, if you were thinking that. He contacted us, and we recorded a whole nother episode of Wells, and it is, you know, he's a radio professional. It is the best-sounding episode we've probably ever done. So we're going to air that uh, down the road. I think we're interviewing Alyssa Milano very shortly, so stay, look out for that. We'll we'll tell the whole story in just, that episode. On that note, when I saw Wells Adams pop up in my DMs, even though we had had him on for an interview, I felt pretty damn cool. Were you giving him the max treatment that I suggested? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. So, is there anything else to mention here? I've, I've tried CBD. You've tried CBD. So and apparently, all your followers are big CBD heads. You, okay. I put out a thing saying, "Hey, has anybody tried CBD?" Shane just ordered some to help his anxiety and help him sleep. Oh. And I Uh-oh. had Alex. Alex. You can't say anxiety anymore. Oh, crap. Right. I just learned how to say that. Anxiety. Shane, that's my first time saying anxiety since I learned how to properly pronounce it. So for years, Alex has been saying anxiety. And I just kind of grin and I bear it. And it's weird. It's like I'm not shy around Alex. I can bring up anything around you. but Why not this? Well, I guess I felt super embarrassed because you're ironically the type of person to make fun of people for the way they say words. No, but... Like only you, you've you. Come, I know, only me, but I guess I felt bad that you're also a person. And the guys on your other podcast. What? Well, like I'll say something like, haha, they said that wrong. Yeah, but we'll be on like a vacation <laughs> and like a waiter will miss say something. You'll be like, hey, they said that. And I'm like, Alex, okay. But I've been kind of holding this inside. And then the other day, I just, I had to bring it to your attention because you were saying it so much. You know what? And especially uh, we were, when we were interviewing Wells. So... You posted this on <laughs> on your Instagram, and a lot of people who follow you notice that you well, also say. Around. I was if I was pissed off in the end because I had at least ten people saying, "Oh yeah, I was gonna say something because I've been listening to you say that for like two years, and just decided not to." Well, it's pretty friends, embarrassing. Correct, too. friends. I'm not embarrassed. I'm happy to know the answer. Well, your confidence in putting it in a poll. <laughs> You're like, is it anxiety? Like, Shane, where's the anxiety? No, yeah. here's the thing. We had already looked it up, and I learned the correct pronunciation. I just thought more people were going to say they also pronounced it like me. 
yeah, no. No, that wasn't the case. But yeah, I have I have anxiety, and we've tried the CBD oil. Then neighbor, our neighbor Sherry came over, and she gave me like a weed cream. Yeah, so she's got homegrown weed, and she infused it in a cream with tapioca and lavender and all these like other oils, and it smells really beautiful. And we've been rubbing it on the spots on your back that old man hurt doing. What do you call it? Water skiing. Yeah, I hurt my back doing water skiing. I'm also, I don't like to brag, I'm doing 200 push-ups a day <laughs> in, in you know, like four sets of 50. That's so he gets a good. little CBD massage at night. And Shane, how has the CBD oil been working? Don't really know, but I know I'm sleeping longer, yep. but I, I'm waking up a little bit cloudy, very little bit. Well, the first day that you took it... I think that we didn't have the dosage right either. I took, I think maybe you took too much and you woke up kind of grouchy. You haven't woken up grouchy since, but that first day you woke up pretty grouchy. Mm, I think you're just saying that. No, you were. Do you not remember that morning? You woke up on the wrong side of the bed, I would say. First of all, you woke up on like off the bed if we're like doing analogies here. Well, I'm just saying. You woke up under the bed that day. Under the bed. Come on, I'm up all night. So I'm barely waking up in the first place. But I just want to say it seems like you got your dosage correct because you've been waking up happier. I haven't noticed your cloudiness. I've I've actually been taking more. Yeah, but you didn't take the fizzy drink. So Shane got the CBD in an oil form that you put in your tongue, on your tongue. And then he also got a sparkling water, like a CBD infused sparkling water. So the first night you drank the sparkling water and then you did the oil on your tongue before bed. I was excited. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, that day you were just a nightmare. It wasn't me. It was, there's no disputing. You were in a terrible mood that day. It we had nothing have... to do with me, mood. It wasn't me. All right. You brought Shane. it up though. I know. But were you in a terrible mood that day? Yes or no? Oh, you made me in one. No, your whole excuse was, listen, I didn't sleep all night. Yeah, whatever. Let's continue. Okay, Alex. <laughs> but wait, wait, wait. Do you think that it's actually working or do you think it's a placebo effect? It could be psychosomatic. It could be placebo. I want to stick with it longer and really give it a shot. Uh, sleep is something that really plagues me. It's, sometimes I think I'm sleeping mm-hmm. and then I wake up on, and I'm exhausted. And I used to wear a Fitbit. And, it, and I put it on the advanced sensitive setting and it would say, you slept one hour and 32 minutes last night. I was like, geez, I thought I was yeah, but asleep that, for eight hours. Is that like not moving though? I don't know. Your parents wear them and I asked them if they have them on the advanced setting and your parents seem to have normal sleeps wearing them. Hmm. But let's see if this does work. You said I was snoring the other night. Yeah. I'm not sure if snoring is a good sign in sleeping. Well, you were snoring like you had sleep apnea. So I I thought that was a good sign, but I'm not sure. I have a question for you. What is it? Okay, so for the second time in my life and for the second time in our time together, I have cellulitis. Cellulitis is a disgusting infection in which like a cut or something gets infected and it, you know, just spreads all over your limb. And it can be really bad. The first time I had it, I actually almost lost a leg. I ended up in the hospital with IV drips and antibiotics. You almost lost a leg? Yeah. They told you that? Yeah. They said if I had waited like a couple more days to go in, I would have had to get the leg taken off. I could not walk at all for a week after the hospital. Do you remember you had to carry me even to the bathroom? Do you remember that? They must have been number ones. I feel like I would have remembered a number two. <laughs> you don't remember having to carry me around our house, like upstairs to bed, to the bathroom? Would like, I stay I in there while you went to the washroom? No. Okay. But you'd wait for me outside. Hmm. No, I don't remember that, but That's, it sounds Shane, very chivalrous. Here's the thing. It was the worst two weeks of my life this ordeal lasted. 
and it had like an overnight hospital stay and everything and you don't even remember it well i remember you had a, a little cut on your leg and i was like put some polysporin on that and you're like <laughs> polysporin's a myth <laughs> I did not well if you that. didn't vocalize that you gave off the vibe like oh polysporin like two, i just thought it would heal on its own two things in our relationship you oddly don't believe in you don't believe in <laughs> polysporin and preheating an oven i oh my god when we first met alex didn't think ovens actually needed to be preheated and you acted like i was like a flat earther no it's because i just assume like you're not preheating you're just heating it it's like you're heating it up i but it's called preheating i know it's called preheating well because the semantics with the entire if you're supposed to cook something at 370 degrees it doesn't just go to 375 or well, it's not re- keeping an oven hot. It's heating it up. Heating is a process. So why do we have to say preheating when heating itself is a process? Well, it's just what it's called. I, I don't know, know. I know. And here's the thing. Why I, is shipment in a truck and cargoes in a Babe, I don't read ship. many recipes. You know me. I'm not much of a cook. So in my mind, yeah. it's just heating. Okay. So that you didn't believe in. <laughs> And you didn't believe in polysporin. And then your legs started looking like Jared Leto's arm in Requiem for a Dream. Yes, it did. And I'm not exaggerating, just as bad. And now I'm finding out we could have lost your leg. Yeah, it was, it was horrendous. And I still have a little spot on my leg uh, that has, it's got like a thin layer of skin on top, but it has no fleshy stuff underneath. Like it's just a hole. It's very disgusting. Now my arm has cellulitis because I had a wasp bite and I don't know what the heck happened. And apparently it has, it could have to do with my lupus medication. So I want to ask you, this is my second time having it in two years, sorry, in five years. And I guess I may be prone. So if I was just to up and die of some weird infection, because honestly, I mean, if one of us is going to get some weird illness and die, it's going to be me. I would take over your Instagram account. Yes. Oh, thank God. Is that no. what you're asking? No, it's not. Oh, I would do that. In what part of life would you be the least capable? Because you'd be so capable in so many things because you are and you're very headstrong and you'll learn things. But is there any area that you think you'd be so not capable without me? What would I be the least capable of? Um, well, knowing how much to communicate with your parents. That would be tough. <laughs> Because I'd think, oh, yeah, they love me. But then I'd be like, oh, maybe they don't want me around all the time. But they want the grandkids around? I know they would, but I wouldn't know the lines in the relationship, especially like a few weeks later when I got the new girlfriend, if (laughs) if they they would want to be a part of that at all. Mm. And that would be so awkward. And I think I'm very bad with awkward situations. So I tend to run and hide from them. So then you know that hearing this, they'd fight for custody. Well, grandparents don't have the option to get custody, and I wouldn't. You're being a dick. No, no, I'm not being a dick. What you I'm... have a new girlfriend in a few weeks. Oh, you're fixated on that. Yeah. Well, I'm just it's a rebound. <laughs> get out of here. No, I get lonely real quick. What? We have two daughters. You don't think you might fucking have your hands full? Well, they go to the grandparents. Your parents are going to miss the grandkids. I want to chop your head off right now. Alex is legit mad. You cannot take a joke. I'm just saying. I'd chop your head off and I'd come back and haunt you both. I would haunt you both for the rest of your lives. The sad thing is you're actually (laughs) serious. You're not even like joking at all. You got so deadly serious. Alex, I'm not going to find, even if I wanted to find a girl. (laughs) You're going to turn this into a thing. No, no, I'm not. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying, even if I wanted to find a girlfriend directly after. Mm Mm-hmm. I couldn't. It would look so bad. Yeah, no kidding. I know. So I'm saying I wouldn't do that. Well, I'd haunt you to make sure you didn't. 
Okay. <laughs> and make you so paranoid and like uh, just, you know, nutty. First of all, another thing, <laughs> another thing about you, you think you're good with head games or something. You're not. <laughs> that's not, that's not what I think I'm good at. I know you're referring to Laughing Couple podcast last episode. It's not games like that. That's not what I mean. And I don't mean getting in people's heads like that. But I just mean like endearing myself to people, getting in their heads in like a way where mm-hmm. they are just like, well, oh, remember, I love Remember Alex. last episode where Wells was saying men are so such simple creatures and dumb? Yes. He's not wrong. It's like, don't think that you're just getting in men's heads because you, like, have... Like, it's just you're very attractive, Alex. No, no, it's not. You're lovable. You are lovable. But... And I could turn on the lovable... The, sorry, I could turn on the lovability. Okay. This is <laughs> weird. <laughs> I don't even know. What, what was the topic again? Cellulitis. No, it wasn't. Or, no, it was if I died of cellulitis... In what part of life would you suck at? And it can't, like, you know okay, what I mean? Just, okay, handling awkward positions, dealing with in, like, the 10 years later when I get the new girlfriend, dealing with your parents. And parking. I wouldn't want to be parallel parking, like, with the kids, taking mm-hmm. them to soccer practice. I hate driving in the parking realm. See, because I think you'd be terrible at dealing with everything for a rental home. Because I have to always deal with oh, no. the plumbers, the exterminators, oh, the tenants. Alex, I'm, I'm fine with that. What? You would have uh, gone in there? And, like, done all of the crap I've done. Like, I've had to do handiwork. I work smarter, not harder. Keep in mind, my job, I'm a producer, so all I do is delegate and handle shoots and whatnot. So, yeah, I can handle that stuff. And I just go to TaskRabbit, whatever. Hey, can you do this? I hire people. I'd hire a, a house manager, whatever they're called. Right, right. All right. Rental property manager. All right. Yeah, that stuff, I throw money at problems. See, I thought that's where you were going to be the least capable oh that's i'm the most capable that i'm like i I don't sweat (laughs) through delegation well anything like i'm always i do everything myself like you don't even know how to pay a bill alex hey i've paid lots of bills and i could figure it out if i wanted to i just you know if you're here those are contradictory statements i've paid lots of bills i could figure it out if i wanted to yeah which bill have you ever paid oh my god when i was in university i was paying all my bills what kind of bills house bills actually paying the bills or giving them to the house captain and no, no, you're no. smiling because you—that's what you did. No, no, Lindsay took some of the bills, but but she. <laughs> so Lindsay collected the money from you, and she paid the bills. No, she did. <laughs> no, <laughs> she did our. I guess yeah. Okay, I know. I, just, I can I tell when you're lying, my... Alex. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, yeah. So what? What would you? No, but I have paid bills for this house because you don't even know what bill you're not paying. Which bill am I not paying? The gas for? bill. How are you paying it? I don't know. They email me and I send them money. Or do you send it to your dad? No. Gas company emails me and I send them money. Something's fishy about this. <laughs> no, it's true. First of all, why keep that a secret from me? I'm uh, like, I'm not impressed. I'm just fascinated and oh, kind I, of mad. To be honest, I don't I don't want this bill on me because I, I do hate Then why not them. tell me about it? Well, I think I have and I always just forget until they email me again. Because is this why we got that one bill that was like $2,000? Oh, for- no, 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 no. That was, that was a long, long issue. And that was your fault though, right? No, it was the uh, mortgage company's fault. Okay, so there was a bill that you... <laughs> now we're getting really into the weeds here, but long story short, there was a bill that would always come to our house. <laughs> for, and I was like... For I, I would, three years. For three years, a bill would just show up. And I, 
like a normal adult, I'd be like, Alex, we need to pay this bill, right? Like, it, I know you handled this through your bank and transferred it to me. And she's like, oh, don't worry. It pays itself. I'm like, what do you mean the bill pays itself? You're like, oh, the bill just pays itself. No, our mortgage company pays the tax yeah, for us. Okay, on the house. I'll yeah. get into the details. The mortgage company, it, it just pays for it. They just pays for it. I'm like, it says they're not. You're like, trust me, they are. I'm like, okay, years go by. Then we get this huge bill, and then we had to pay thousands and thousands of dollars because because in penalties and whatnot. That was a stressful week. It was stressful. So what? with that in mind, what area, if I just get hit by a bus, what area are you going to struggle? Um, I'd move back in with my parents, so not the bills. And I would struggle the most with keeping the blog alive. Podcasts would likely fall down or fall apart unless I started dating another person that was like technical like you. So you can just mention the dating thing right away. Oh, no, I was doing it to make you jealous. Okay. More <laughs> jealous at the hypocrisy than actually bring. Okay. And um, no, but the podcast would fall apart and I definitely wouldn't be able to keep up the blog for the last little bit or I would and I'd, you know, ride the single woman, single mom thing for a while. I'm but so then, jealous. But then it would just, it mm-hmm. would fall apart too. Okay. So, so I, real, real life stuff. So yeah. No, my, my, my blog and the podcast, that's real life stuff. Like that's, you know, for us, that's financial. That's a huge part of our lives. And that would fall apart without you because you are so motivating. You're encouraging. And uh, I get a lot of my creative drive from you and watching you and your creative drive every day at your work. So that would like be done so. Okay. What else aside from that? Like just practical, <laughs> practical house stuff. So your parents are paying the bills. Um, you live with them. Oh, well, you are the person that goes down into the deep freezer to get all of our frozen stuff. So that would suck because then I'd have to go down okay. there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What else do we have? Is that, is that your main topic? No, I have one more. Okay. Go. Okay. So we've been talking about laundry and having issues with laundry, putting it away. We've agreed is the hardest part, you know? So how about this for an idea? We have dirty bins that come downstairs, which, you know, typical. And then for certain things like not nice shirts, but all other items, just a clean bin. Shane has a clean bin. I have a clean bin. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. So- and we could just take the clean clothes because they're going to be in the dirty bin within a day. So the idea is we never put the clothes away. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they just stay in the clean bins. And they're just all wrinkled to shit. But that's <laughs> that's fine because we have a steamer. And there's a pandemic, so we're not going out anyway. So why <laughs> why do we even need these clothes? I don't know. I'm doing laundry. Why don't we just have... What about this? For pandemic times, there's just three shirts. I do that anyway, babe. I've worn... I, I've worn these same jeans all week long, every okay. single day. I'm into this idea. Cool. I'll steam. Yeah. Especially... It'll keep the house cleaner. I think it will. So do you think... In this crazy, lazy idea, which is actually kind of smart, mm-hmm. you can stick with the laundry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can have it done by tonight. That's awesome. I, I really like this. Especially, like, it's almost 1030, so at night. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, was that your yes. other topic? Okay. My topic is, do you think we can have guests on our show if we don't agree with their values? And this mm. is a tough one because... Mm. I think, yes, we can. Like, let's not just solely have an echo chamber. But my concern is sponsors. Yeah. My concern is... Listeners. Listeners. You know, there is... Most would be okay with it to have an interesting conversation. But there would be a vocal minority who wouldn't want to give a platform to somebody who didn't support... 
our views. Yeah, and it's it's so hard because I like to feel like you're right. I don't want to live in an echo chamber, and I think you know, hearing opinions from both sides, it, it does make me feel, I think, more resolute and stronger in my own opinions because then I know what the other side is saying it gives me a chance to learn a little bit more and then however I feel about a certain issue it's like oh I've thought about it from both sides so I feel extremely strong in my opinion now and I like that but again like I don't like giving people with hateful values a platform. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about people like Jordan Peterson or... But here's the thing. Their values can oftentimes be considered hateful. I know, but if if we were to talk to them about those things... You know, I don't know the answer. I'm just mm-hmm. throwing it out there as a hypothetical. Yeah, no, I, I don't know either. I don't know. Because we've had uh, opportunities to, to speak with some people and sometimes I'm like, yeah. And then I research them. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be... Yeah. Canceled here or whatever just for talking to someone, even mm-hmm. if I don't agree with them. No, I know. It, it's it's a tough one. And I know, especially because you and I are making a greater effort to have on um, a more diverse cast of characters as guests. We are trying to, you know, hit issues that are important to us. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want people to conflate these issues that are not important to us mm-hmm. with the ones that are. And then be kind yeah. of in the gray area. Well, and it's hard too because if you're respectful and kind to somebody mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily agree with, it can be it can come right. across as you're giving them a, you're promoting them or something. Well, opinions welcome on this. Uh, if any listeners have thoughts on it, yeah, send tough. a DM to Shane and I and tell us what you think. <laughs> Well, it's tough because you'd probably get 90% of people saying it's okay, but then you'd get 10% of people saying all the reasons not. Right? Well, here's the thing. If, especially if you think it's not okay, send a message to Shane and I because we want to dig deeper into this and figure out what to do. Yeah, I want to learn why, too, having a conversation like that is not okay. Because mm-hmm. I think if they were on our show and we were having a healthy debate. It- well, here, here's the one thing is that if somebody was coming on to debate something that they're passionate about and it's you know not our values, they're just going to be way more well-read on whatever subject it is because that is their singular passion. So then if they were to come on here, it's not going to be much of a debate because then I'd be sitting here like, uh, 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 but, but what about this? And I wouldn't really have a great rebuttal because I, you know, I, I can't sit down and Google things and Google papers, look at books, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess. So I think they'd win. If it was like somebody who was super Christian, let's say, and they, they believed in, you know, not gay marriage or something. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, and I don't think that we need to necessarily judge our guests based on the wide spectrum on their beliefs in every regard. No, but I if mean. If they're an expert in one thing, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. But I mean, like, for instance, Simon Rex, one of his good friends was certified health nut. Oh, right. And then uh, I was introduced to Certified Health, not through Simon. And like, I was like, oh, this guy has some cool advice. And then, and I'm going to ask Simon about this, but then he started saying that coronavirus was a hoax, a government Vaccines thing. are a hoax. Vaccines are a hoax. Stuff that you and I Trump believe in. And it was like, you know, I, I wonder if we could have someone on the show who didn't, didn't believe in coronavirus, but had great advice in other regards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's a tough one. Um, I'd like to think I'm not opposed, but obviously I am because we have not had anybody like that yet. So again, well, opinions I'm always, welcome. I am. I, I'm not scared to admit that I'm scared of society. 
I'm scared of lots of things in society, definitely. But I'm not scared to talk to somebody without anyone knowing. It's well, just go. being found out and uh, <laughs> doxed. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess, should, is this enough opening banter? I think it's enough. Let's get to it. Okay, let's get to our interview with... Pamela DeBar. But first, Alex, tell us who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They have the best and the cutest basics for your little's fashionable wardrobe that are super soft, comfy, and timeless. And very Instagram friendly. So Instagram friendly. And the nice thing is, I mean, everything that we get for Lucy is just getting passed down to Betty anyway. It, there is an advantage of having same gender children. 100% but, but the thing is all the all the, you're gonna say that it's gender neutral stuff <laughs> you got it yeah I mean it can go girl the boy whatever except because, for like a dress though maybe what? well maybe even it's yeah. 2020 I don't want to be limiting and honestly everything is so quality you touch it you look at this fabric and you know that it's high quality so I have no doubt in my mind that whatever Lucy wears whatever she plays in Betty will be able to have fun in two in two years time but you should go to the website check it out for yourself Minimiosh.com or check them out on Instagram or Facebook at Minimiosh. That's spelled M-I-N-I-M-I-O-C-H-E. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15 at checkout, you are going to get 15% off your entire order. But we are also supported by... Routine. Deodorant is pretty tricky. The chemical kind is questionable and can be unkind to your skin. And natural deodorants are, I mean, they barely cut through the stink. They're brutal. They are. Most of them. Oh Except for routine. Shocking. And I'm just going to cut you off because I actually tried routine. I thought it was just for women <laughs> for some reason, but it works for men and very effective. This is the best deodorant I've ever tried, hands down. And I had this, what's the one called that? Uh, Lucy in the Sky. No, no. What I had another super strong deodorant. Oh, yeah. You were using one for like stress sweats, like crazy 24 hour. This oh. one works even better than that. And this one's all natural. And it smells so nice. We're using the scent Lucy in the Sky, and that is the scent pairing that really kind of speaks to us as our daughter's name is Lucy. But it's so effective because their base is made with antimicrobial ingredients and cool stuff like dietary magnesium, which releases your armpits from the burden of the stress sweats we were talking about. I think it lasts for days, actually. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, I got to say, as a postpartum woman, I have to put it on every morning, and it lasts me the entire day. Probably not days because this is some powerful Mine odor. Me two days. Really? Maybe it's because I didn't bathe though. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> you wash it off. Yeah. Continue. But get in touch with yourself and what works for you and your body with one of Routine's five mini deodorant kits, single minis, or jump right in and go for the classic refillable glass jar or their new recycled sticks. Check them out at routinecream.com on Instagram or routinecream.com. And use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. No product exclusions and one use per customer. But let's get to our interview now with Pamela DeBar. And Pamela, before we start, I just want to uh, let you know, I mean, breastfeeding right now, but we have a, a six-week-old baby with us. And because of everything, we can't get rid of her for the interview. So if she, <laughs> if she does start crying, um, Shane is just going to take her outside and I'll just continue with you. Yeah, she's the interview expert anyway. I'm kind of just like the 
Yeah. But if <laughs> and, we... and what, is, what is the gist of this? Is it the same old stuff about Jimmy Page and Jim Morrison? <laughs> it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna be a, a mix of that. Yeah. And um, I wanted. Well, <laughs> you know how many decades I've been answering oh, those same I, questions. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> if you could come up with anything different than. You know, I mean, I have I have different stuff. I'd love your opinion on the scene today. And there's been a lot of issues with certain record companies today, which we'll get into. And I want your outlook on that. I don't know anything about record companies. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know and you, you can comment. <laughs> Tell me what it's about. I can comment on it, but yeah. I, I'm not real familiar with it. No worries. You know, Me Too thing I was not involved in at all. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. To, I don't want to burst any bubbles here. Hey, no, we're not. Uh, we have no expectations. You just answer as you want, and that is so good by us. All right, <laughs> Alex, take it away. Pamela, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. I have been looking forward to talking to you for ages. I got your book. I'm with the band when I was in high school. And I used to bring it to the cafeteria at lunchtime and my girlfriends and I would read all the naughty bits and we would go back to class blushing and just having a great time. So thank you for all of the hours of enjoyment for that. So I really appreciate you as an author and as a woman who's been through a ton of exciting stuff. <laughs> that was a long time ago, dear. But uh, I guess for my age group, I'm, I still live a pretty exciting life. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I want to get into that as well. But what would you describe yourself as if somebody said, okay, like Pamela DeBar, what's your job title? Well, no, well, I prefer author, best-selling author is good because I've written five books already and oh, I'm yeah. on my sixth one. Oh my so best-selling author is good. A form, you know, I could, I'm still, I have still a groupie at heart, but a lot of people say former groupie. And, you know, it's such a negative term these days and for many, many decades now that, you know, I've been trying to fix that for all this time. It, you know, it became a negative term right after it became a thing. Mm -hmm. But you've yeah. never taken offense to it, obviously. Well, there was a time, you know, probably in the 70s before I met Michael, even though it, uh, the two people I was going out with when I met my husband, Michael, was Waylon Jennings and Keith Moon. But, you know, I was, I was in relationships with these people. Mm -hmm. They went on and on for years. Mm -hmm. I saw those two guys for three years. So a certain time period, it had become such a bad word with the, the hair metal bands and, you know, and, and groupies just doing things that I never had to do or would have dreamed of doing. So it became sort of a bad word. So for a couple, three years there, I didn't like being called that. But then I thought, you know, I'm just going to embrace it because when I did it and when... I did it way before the word existed, of course. But, you know, when girls like myself in the 60s, especially early 70s, it was not a, it was, we were just hanging out with groups. That's mm -hmm. where the word comes from. Groupy. Right. right. Group. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and a lot of times, you know, like, for instance, we hung out with the Mothers of Invention. None of us were sleeping with any of them. We were just friends. And the Alice Cooper band, Miss Christine, that was her boyfriend, and I had a crush on Neil, but, you know, it was very different back then. You know, it was a lot more innocent time. Men didn't expect you to jump in the sack with them, like, you know, they really didn't. I, I remained a virgin until I was 19 and a half years old. And oh, what, wow, me too. What age did you start um, going to see bands and trying to get close to the musicians? Like, how long did you kind of keep your virginity while, you know, going after these these musicians? I don't like the term going after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't like <laughs> yeah, you were just hanging out and having a relationship. Just yeah. because yeah. I was a part of the scene, you know, I was enmeshed in the scene and like 
certainly when the GTO was formed, my old girl band, you know, people would come to town and look us up. But early, early on, you're asking about was the, I had Beatlemania, of course. Yeah. So I wanted to meet them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the record was called Meet the Beatles, their first one. So that gave me, of course, of course, I want to meet them. So, you know, if you read I'm with the band, you know, I tried very hard. I sneaked behind their house in Bel Air and I, you know, spent the night in their backyard and you know but i was too young i was 14 not even quite 15 when when i did that <laughs> so me and my beetle sweeties i called them my girls we all ha- liked each each a different beetle you know <laughs> um, but then you know i i i met captain beefart of all people when i was still in high school and i went to see him play because his cousin went to my high school and took me to meet don van vliet captain beefart which was astounding and then he took us to meet the stones which i was 16 at this time still didn't know how to how to handle myself in that way you know i knocked on mick, Jag- mick jagger's door i got the nerve we, we were hanging out with bill and charlie uh because that's who don van vliet knew and um so i sneaked out of their bungalow it was the ambassador hotel and finally got the nerve to knock on mick jagger's door <laughs> <laughs> and he opened the door stark naked and, oh my and, God. I, and i was like Okay, and I ran the other way because I was just a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. So early days, I did try to meet them. Then yeah. as soon as I met Van Fleet in 65 and started hanging out on the Strip, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. These rock stars that are local, the Birds, Buffalo Springfield, the Doors, they were all hanging out the same place I was, the Whiskey Go-Go mainly. Do you, were your parents just very easygoing people? Like, how did you get away with always just being out and about? My mom trusted me and she had she had a good reason to. I didn't get into drugs till later, much later, after I was not living at home anymore. And like I said, I waited till I was 19 to even sleep with someone. There had never been a time like this before where there was a revolution going on, a renaissance of, you know, social renaissance, music renaissance, sexual, every kind of renaissance was going on. And so they didn't know what to, how to handle us. Mm-hmm. The parents didn't have a clue about what, how to handle hippies, flower children, freaks, you know, yeah. there was no precedent. So they, they really didn't know exactly what was going on. Now, obviously there's a ton of, uh, for lack of a better term, groupies, we're calling them, around at the time and obviously you were very attractive and i'm sure there's lots of attractive women but what is it about you in particular that all these rock stars seem to be so enamored with (laughs) oh boy i i was in the right place the right time the right look the right city the right everything you Mm -hmm. know for for that to happen and uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that we had a group we had our own group, an all-girl group. It was very, very rare at the time. So when Frank Zappa, we danced with a lot of different rock bands. We Okay, first of all, a group of us girls got together. We were very similar, like-minded, music-loving, freaky girls. And <laughs> we dressed wild and we, you know, real wild. And, you know, danced with bands. Miss Christine, one of the GTOs, before we be called that, uh, was Frank Zappa's governess for Moon Zappa when she was baby. Mm-hmm. And she invited us up to meet him, and he loved us, asked us <laughs> to dance with the mothers, which we did for a while. And then he got his own label and said, why don't we guys, why don't, you know, he loved our stories. We cracked him up. He just loved to hear our goofy Hollywood Sunset Strip, Laurel Canyon stories. And he finally just said, why don't you write songs about your lives? You know, he wanted, he, he always wanted to capture the moment he wanted to capture what was going on and he'd capture you guys on film too right you were in you were in his films and things like that 
Zappos. Yes, he wanted to capture the moment. He he believed what we were saying and doing was fun and silly and needed to be remembered. So we made a record. And that, you know, and we played a few gigs in Hollywood. We opened for Alice Cooper a couple of times and the Mothers. And, and so the, the bands would come to town and want to meet us. And now yeah. Frank, obviously, he has this persona of a very wild, like, rock star. But I hear he's quite strict in terms of not mm -hmm. allowing people in his groups to consume copious amounts of drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and all that. Was there hard and fast rules when it came to you being a part of his inner circle? Well, he did. He was so straight. He was such a teetotaler. Well, a coffee totaler, really. <laughs> espresso, espresso totaler. Uh, he didn't even know when we were high. We could pretend like once I was so stoned, I was stumbling around in his house and he said, what? he was very concerned. And I said, oh, I, I'm coming down with the flu. I think <laughs> he was very naive that way. He was very naive. So his band members, if he ever caught them smoking pot, he, like he fired Lowell George and he was our co-producer on our record. Even just for pot. Yeah. Was that the drug of choice back then, pot, or was there other things that came into the mix? Pot and psychedelics. Because mm -hmm. right. it was a time when, you know, there were love-ins and we all believed in love. All you need is love, you know, and it was very sincere. And the hard drugs came in later. I have to ask, Pamela, so we were born in the 80s. The majority of our listeners were born in the 80s or the 90s. What happens at 11? What is 11? <laughs> it's a gathering of like-minded freaks. First, I was a hippie before I realized hippies didn't bathe. I was always very <laughs> into my visual, you know, and I love to be squeaky clean and smell good and all that. So I was a hippie, then a flower child, then a freak once I got hooked up with Zappa. And so all these types of people, music lovers, uh, people wanting to be free, you know, live the life they wanted to without any issues and without anybody bothering them. It was all just the same kind of people meeting thousands mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. uh, at a love-in. And okay. the first one was actually called a human be-in. And that was in Golden Gate Park in 60, God, may have been six, 66, may have been late 65. But I was, I hitchhiked up there every weekend because I, I wanted to be in Haight-Ashbury and see what was going on up there. But I was at the first human be-in. And I thought, this is the most magical thing on earth. Bands played for free, you know, poetry by Allen Ginsberg. And, you know, it was just, it was so magical. And so then they started having them at Griffith Park here. In mm -hmm. And bands played for free. Wow. The Doors, the Birds, whoever. That's yeah. amazing. Lots of bands played for free and everybody danced and smoked pot. And we used to make cupcakes and bring them, <laughs> you know, pass them out and, you know, flowers to everyone. It was a very sincere, beautiful thing. It didn't last that long sadly no it sounds beautiful and it sounds more of an artistic and spiritual event rather than like in my head when you say love and i think of maybe a big orgy or something but that's <laughs> clearly not yeah. what it was no. uh, yeah. i mean people were making out and they probably would go in the bushes and have sex maybe but it was not orgiastic mm. orgiastic whatever mm. the word is it was not that it was more about sharing vibes you know and mm -hmm. just communing with like-minded souls are you aware that there's a, a documentary like a podcast documentary about almost famous out right now have you heard it at all no nope. i just did a big interview with new york magazine about almost famous and they didn't mention the podcast 
No. Oh, yeah. I it's, didn't know it's, about it. That's weird. It's a pretty in-depth. It's like five and a half hours long. I thought it was pretty good. But anyway, uh, I was listening to it, and they had a woman on there who claimed to be Penny Lane. And they interviewed her. And I was always under the impression that you were Penny Lane. So, so there's only three people that Cameron told me that he it was it was about three people. Was it B.B. Buell? You heard? No, they actually said her name Penny. was Penny and her last oh, name Pen- is something. Penny different. Trumbull. Yeah. 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 It was Penny Trumbull, B.B. Buell and myself is who the character was created for. Cameron, in my fourth book, Let's Spend the Night Together about other groupies. He's the final chapter in there, and he mm-hmm. tells the whole entire story of Almost Famous, including who he designed that character from, which is me and Bibi and Penny Trumbull. Yes, I've done panels with them where we all talk about our groupie days and stuff. Mm-hmm. I knew Cameron when he was 15. No way. I was still hanging out with Led Zeppelin then, even though I wasn't with Jimmy anymore. I was very friendly with Robert. So he watched me. So Cameron was working for Rolling Stone because Almost Famous was autobiographical. Yeah. yeah. And he was working for Rolling Stone and he was hanging out with Led Zeppelin. So a lot of it was based on that, the Allman Brothers, various in- people he interviewed during that time. Mm-hmm. It's how he created that band, Stillwater. And I went to the premiere and uh, the party afterwards. And I had very mixed feelings because I, th- I felt ripped off because the character of her does not look like Trumbull or BB. It looked she looked like me. So you wanted some um, compensation. Oh, well, I wanted to. I wish I had been involved. I would love to have been a creative consultant or BB or right. Penny. Right. I mean, some he didn't hire any of us. Wow. You know. Was there any animosity between the other two, Penny, and like were you friends or was there a little bit of uh, competition going on? No, we're all different cities. Oh, okay. Yeah, all different cities. <laughs> that works out. He traveled with the bands, you know. But Penny Trumbull was the one who I don't know if she mentioned all this. She was his first girlfriend, the first oh. time he slept with anyone. That was Cameron Crowe's? Mm-hmm. Oh, he didn't mention that. Wow. That's interesting, yeah. That's very interesting. And so you were a fan of the film, or I, I can't tell? It's a it's a good movie. Um, it bought, There's a lot of stuff that bothered me. I felt totally ripped off because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, for instance, the poker game where they pass her around. Yeah. Of course, appalled me. So misogynistic. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And then she tries to kill herself over him. Yeah. Unbelievable. Only a man would write that. So I was very offended by that to put a groupie in a, in, in that realm to where that's what a girl would do over that. And mm-hmm. the, that the guys would actually, well, the poker party came from directly out of mind with the band. When, when I made Hillman that shirt, but I stitched the blood into it and, and, and he lost in the poker game to the drummer, Michael Clark. So that, I really, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that was very similar to what happened in my book and probably in BB's life. Her book mm-hmm. hadn't come out yet. Right. Were you a creative consultant? How do you think that you would have changed certain things? <laughs> well, those two things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would say, you know, this is way too, well, misogynistic is the mm-hmm. word, you know, mm-hmm. and it puts a woman in her place all the time. Women yeah. are being put in their in place all the time. Yeah, so I found in that movie, even though there was, like, agency of the girls, like, they knew what they wanted to do, they were going out, they were yeah. having fun, yeah. and they were with who yeah. they wanted to be with. And that's what I appreciate about you is your your free agency. But in that movie, there seems to be, like, even though they have that element, 
there's a huge power dynamic that's incredibly imbalanced that puts the rock stars on the top and the girls on the bottom. And I want to ask you what the power oh, dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but and, what it, was, and it really wasn't that. That's what yeah. I want to ask. Yeah. When, when I'm with the band came out, it was 20 years later. And, you know, it. they saw groupies, you know, when I did all these national sh- TV shows and stuff, they saw groupies as subservient, mm-hmm. you know, tragic characters, which is, the antithesis of what a groupie was. A groupie was and is a woman doing what she wants to do, which is, you know, that's my line. I say it over and over again. A feminist is a woman doing what she wants to do, no matter what it is. Yeah. And, and that those women and girls and still want to do it, want to hang out with bands. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. And you felt like the members of the band, they treated you as an, an equal? Yeah. Always. Otherwise, right. I wouldn't have stayed around. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were my boyfriends. Yeah, right. they were my boyfriends, my lovers, my my dear friends, my compatriots. You know, whatever you want. I mean, I had so many different musician friends, mm-hmm. and still do. And you know, I just found a shirt for Russell Mail of Sparks that looks like his new album, a steady drip, drip, drip. So I sent it to him. <laughs> That's amazing. And there's, you know, there's a picture on my Facebook page of it. I do, I still hang out with bands. I still love music. I, it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite um, current band? You know, to tell you the truth, I don't have any young bands that oh. I'm crazy <laughs> about except a band called The Struts, which I. Oh, nice. I know them. Yeah. Not personally. I, I know of them. I think they're, they're really doing real actual rock and roll. You know, it's not all messed up in the studio so that yeah. it's impossible to recreate without all kinds of machinery behind them yeah they just play straight ahead rock and roll and that's what i love now this day and age everyone is so accessible like how i connected with you is just i'm able to email you and voila here you are now back in your day there uh, there had to be a lot more work literally going out of your way to find these people and meeting them in person so do you think this i didn't have to do any of that and except for the early early days like i mentioned Mm-hmm. I never had to go out of my way. I mean, I would go to a club and I would be there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Now you don't even need to leave your house. <laughs> yeah, like now. It's, so, well, certainly, you know, you, you can't meet bands that are big, famous bands. Mm-hmm. And besides, the biggest bands making the most money, make touring every are old guys: mm-hmm. The Stones, Paul McCartney, yeah. Springsteen, The Eagles. I mean. The best bands are still those bands that are still around from that time frame because those are the best bands ever. Groupies still love all their bands. I, mm-hmm. I tell them to start with a young band in their hometown and <laughs> hang out. With them. But I, you know, I teach women's writing workshops all over the world, and a lot of my writers are very young women, and they they tell me how they meet these guys. A lot of it's done on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? I bet. Do you think that and do connect that way? Do you think that this day and age it makes it harder, or like would you be able to have the same success for lack of a better term in this day and age as you did back in the 70s or do you think now the competition is so much higher i don't know if the competition's any higher you know i have a lot of self-love and belief in myself and whenever i went after something i got it and mm-hmm. i think it would have happened now or then right yeah <laughs> Now, I want to ask because you've had these like incredible, really passionate relationships with these guys. And I know that sometimes they had girls in other cities. Sometimes, you know, you'd see men with wives that had girlfriends that were friends with you, things like that. Did that ever kind of make you jaded or make you less trustworthy of these men? Like, how did that form your view of relationships? 
Are you talking about when they were on the road, they'd see other people? Yeah. Yeah, cheating. Yeah. <laughs> cheating? <laughs> you know, we, we knew better. You know, you go into a relationship like that knowing that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can wish, gee, I wish I was the only one. But you know in that world at that time, probably even still a lot of the time, that's what happens. You mm-hmm. know, well, they meet a lot of girls. It's real easy to meet them. And those things happen. But, you know, you wish and hope. Like, for instance, Jimmy Page led me on. Like, yeah. he led on a few different girls, saying he was in love and he was going to take me to England and all these things, you know, very romantic things. Yeah. You read it. So that hurt, you know, when he met Charlotte, the lady he had his daughter with, Scarlett. But he was kind about it. Mm-hmm. He invited me up to the hotel when he came. He said he wanted to tell me in person, you know, what happened. Right. And explained it really gently to me and everything you know that thing with Lori maddox was much later I, he was cheating on his wife <laughs> yeah. Lori, and then me and then everybody else i mean yeah yeah was anyone not cheating at that time or was it just a thing that everybody did like in a band well if you got married it was considered cheating i, I believe right right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but was 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 everyone who got married was everyone in a band cheating or was there someone who was like this man is very faithful to his wife you know, even the people who love their wives, like I know really John Bonham and John Paul Jones, mm-hmm. crazy about their wives. John Paul had four daughters, but they both they both cheated. Yeah. I, I knew the people they were with. Mm-hmm. Both they were with. I knew all the Zeb girls. And um, <laughs> yes, they cheated. All right, Pamela, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that. We are supported by Tushy. Everyone has an ass and everyone deserves a tushy bidet. And I'm one of those people who not only deserve a tushy, I need a (laughs) tushy bidet because otherwise I'm just there all day wiping. (laughs) All day long? Sometimes, and I'm not uh, proud to admit this, I'll just give up after when, before the job is done. Shane, that is shameful. But here's the thing, whether you're sitting there all day wiping, whether you're giving up before the job is done, I can guarantee you've already gone through half roll of toilet paper. Tushy is so much better for the environment than using all of that toilet paper. Tushy is only $79, but if you go to hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree, you can get 10% off your own Tushy bidet and a cleaner butt. But we are also supported by The Bear Home. They make all natural products that are safe for you, your home, and the planet. They have all-purpose cleaners, dish soap, hand soap, laundry detergent, and wool dryer balls. I'm really a hand soap guy, and the one I really love is the bergamot and lime. Okay, that smells delicious. It smells so heavenly. However, at home right now, we are using the bergamot and blood orange, and I am obsessed, cannot get enough. It's amazing. Their products are beautiful. Everything is scented using 100% organic essential oils. And if you're like me, you will start washing your hands which we all should anyway, way more (laughs) than you probably would normally though. Definitely, and with the convenient at-home refill boxes that they give you, you can refill your 500 milliliter bottles over six times because all products from the Bear Home come in refillable glass bottles. They're biodegradable and everything is made in Canada. So please go to thebearhome.ca and use the coupon code thisfamilytree20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. And now back to our interview with Pamela DeBar. So how do you maintain, like as this young woman who's with somebody and you're in love with somebody like Jimmy Page and you love him, he tells you these things, you have a feeling like, you know, you might get married, yet he's with other women. How do you maintain your self-worth? Because you said you had a lot of self-love. So was that the case in your younger years or did that come? I always had self-love, but of course, 
we all had our hearts broken Mm -hmm. always many times i just happened to have that experience with musicians Mm -hmm. so trust must have been very a little harder because you'd hear them on the radio people talk about them and all that but i mean we all have our hearts broken we all do Uh, was it hard to trust since you had seen firsthand so much cheating going on were you ever able to trust anyone you were with most of the people that you are referring to jim morrison mick jagger keith moon Waylon, all these people. I didn't expect that type mm-hmm. of commitment with these mm-hmm. people. I knew better. And I just wanted fun. I yeah. just wanted to be have fun. That makes you know, sense. women are not allowed to do that. They're considered cheap whores if they just want to have fun yeah. sexually with someone. And men, oh, they can do it all they want. Yeah. So I was just, I was doing what I wanted. Just I, absolutely, again, yeah. Knowing I was not going to, I mean, and I'm glad I didn't land any of these people. I was having <laughs> a lot of fun, yeah. you know. And and the expectations, when there's no expectations, you can really have a blast. But I mean, when that time period was over and you were ready to settle down, or you, you get married. Were you able to trust? I'm not going to go into that. That's no. my second book. If you guys okay. want to read all about that, <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. It's in another little piece of my heart. A groupie grows up. Okay. Yeah, but but I'll say right now, Michael, my ex-husband, <laughs> is like my brother now. Right. He's like a sibling. You know, mm-hmm. we're so close. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happened, we didn't let that get in the way of our love for each other. Yeah. He's married, happily married again. So how do you think that your formative years or your groupie years, because you do have a son, did that impact your parenting at all or how you saw like your son go through adolescence? <laughs> Um, I don't know. He's used to it, you know. <laughs> the phone would ring, and he'd say, "Dad, Ozzy's on the phone." It was, I mean, it's just something he has grown up with. He grew up with it. He's now a grown man himself. He read on with the band when he was like thirteen. Really loved it. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think he's suffered any because of our lifestyle. His dad was an actor, a musician. Now he's a disc jockey. We've always done that. We've always been in that kind of world, right? How do, you, how do you tell your son? Like, we have two daughters, but how do you break that to your son or tell your son, well, I was a groupie and this is what I did. This is my experience. Like, when do you tell him that? Have you told him that? <laughs> <laughs> he just read the book, but he'd seen musicians all of his life in the house. Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols was our roommate. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, literally we would have Ozzy over to play, you know, Trivial Pursuit mm-hmm. with Terrence Trent Darby and uh, Tom Cruise. I mean, there was always someone like that around. Yeah. So it was his lifestyle from the time he was born. Who is the, like, yeah. obviously I've heard you on Howard Stern, et cetera, and everyone wants to know who is the best in betting. I've never done Howard Stern and I won't, I would never do it because right. of that reason. Mm-hmm. Right. But ask those questions I, and I don't answer them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know who did you have the most fun with? Like just fun. Like who was the most fun to be around? Mick Jagger and Keith mm-hmm. Moon both. They were both, you know, but, but Keith had a downside. Mick never had any kind of downside. He was a very joyous, fun, loving, very happy soul. Um, Mm. And Keith was half the time, the other half the time he was miserable. So he had, he was a bipolar person Mm -hmm. way before there was a term for it. And so to be with him, you'd have to, you know, expect the downtime where Mm. you had Mm -hmm. to take care of him, you know? Right. Yeah. And I imagine that's so I used to date a lot of musicians. I'm with a very creative man now, but he's not a musician, which I'm pleased with. That's, that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but um, 
I always, the ones I dated, now I'm not saying they're all like this, but the many that I dated were very uh, needy and very, you know, they always needed to have their ego stroked. And I am just curious if you think musicians would make good life partners and if, you know, the majority of them have those kind of downsides. Well, eventually they might make mm-hmm. a good life partner. Certainly not when they're young and out there in the world doing it. Although, it, you know, sometimes it works. But you take a look at Jagger or Dylan. Bob Dylan's one of my right. heroes. He has like eight or nine kids with many different women. <laughs> so, and so, and so does Mick. I think Mick just had his ninth child wow. with That's a 30 year old girl. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> Maybe eventually, you know, they might be good to settle down with. But, you know, it's, it's, I'm not, I, that's generalizing. Mm-hmm. Everybody is so different. I, I know musicians who've been in very, you know, committed relationships and don't stray or anything. That, that's a generality. And it may, you know, it makes sense. People, unless someone isn't right in the thick mm-hmm. of rock and roll at the highest level, you, you can't even describe it, much less, you know, try to, put it in some sort of slot you know what i mean yeah yeah and i wanted to know about your if you've ever had because i found i've never needed to have a resume in my life i've been lucky enough to always find creative jobs have you ever needed a resume or had a traditional job or has this ride just been going your whole life well you know when i was a young teenager i you know i was in retail i mean yes i've had if you read my second book, you'll see I've, I've had a lot. Well, in both books, I talk about my various jobs. But when I wrote I'm With the Band, and I kept writing. I've written five books, and then I, and I've turned that book and, and my history into a don't, totally a career now. Mm-hmm. And for many years now, I'm With the Band came out 32 years ago. Wow. And, um, yeah, I've, I teach women's workshops all over the world. I, I have a podcast myself called Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party. <laughs> In fact, today my Alice Cooper show came on. No way. Oh, amazing. We'll have to check that out tonight. I've known him for over 50 years, so we had such a blast. Oh my god. So yeah, I've got like 17 of them in the can now. You can oh, hear them all. And I teach the workshops and I, you know, I have I do rock and roll tours when we're not in the middle of a virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with the band Rock and Roll Tours. I I it's it's endless the stuff I do. I'm working on someone's book right now that I can't talk about yet, but I'm writing books six and seven both at the same time. So I'm really busy. Do you feel like there's ever a retirement in sight or is the nature of being a creative person (laughs) that you're never going to retire? Creative people don't retire, do they? I don't think so. Oh, no. Look, look at Dylan. He is 79. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to, you know, I, I had tickets to see him in Vegas and I had tickets to see Dion, my other hero, who is 80. Oh my and gosh. of course, they are out there just doing it. But I, I couldn't go to either one because of the virus. It's been hard on me just socially. That's for sure. Well, Dylan, I find uh, his musical act is very polarizing. Some people just love the way he is right now. And some people find it a little bit grating because he's so different than his younger years. Who do you think and what musical actor, musician has kind of maintained their quality the best over the years? He has. Yeah. Dylan, nice. Absolutely. Oh. He he refuses to compromise for anyone or be that person who wrote Blowing in the Wind when he was mm-hmm. 20 years old. So he continues to explore. And so does Robert Plant, by the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Different types of music, different ways of sounding. Um, you know, he just refuses to play anyone's game. Yeah, and it's quite fascinating. He sells out everything, sells out 
tours nonstop, never a, an empty seat. And, and I've, I've, I've listened to people, you know, walking out. I'm always in, in, in ecstasy after seeing him play. And I've seen people complaining, walking out, younger people who expect him to sound like, like a Rolling Stone or something. Yeah. You can't sound that way all forever. Mm-hmm. Even Steen doesn't sound like Springsteen anymore, <laughs> but you have to be, just be happy being in their presence, you know? A hundred percent. I'm going to take the baby. Alex, you take over. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry, Pamela. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. We were just waiting for it. Quarantine. Okay. Quarantine. Uh, has been tough with a newborn and giving birth in quarantine. Oh it was my no gosh, easy honey, task. Bad. No, it was it. it was awful. But kind of what you were saying about evolution and you know Dylan evolves, Robert Plant evolves, all these people evolve. You obviously evolve, you know. And yeah. you were a groupie. You were a nanny at Zappa's house. You are a writer. You are a teacher now. But when it comes to sex. How has your views on that changed? Because I know once, and I love this quote, that you said great sex is like touching God. I still feel that way. You know, it's just a a way of expressing yourself, another way, another beautiful way to be a human being. You know, it's, it's, it's sad that, especially still in this country, that, you know, people consider, I mean, you know what it's like. It's a very uptight country sexually. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I've always been fighting against that, too. Mm-hmm. A woman has a right to sleep with whoever she wants to sleep with, too. And unless you're hurting someone. Yeah. You know, I, I I personally did not sleep with anybody who was married. There was actually one, Waylon, but I didn't know. In those days, you didn't know these people yeah. were married. They could hide it from you well, very Well, he didn't easily. wear his ring, right? <laughs> so I was always careful about that. Yeah. I didn't want that to happen to me. And I, I respect other women so your views on sex haven't changed they still remain like is it still as of great importance to you now as it was in your 20s in your 30s well i'm single okay so uh so unfortunately i'm not uh, indulging you know right now <laughs> well it's hard to in quarantine so and i've been single for a while but i still feel the same way i would not i although it's, i you know i counted everybody i slept with recently mm-hmm. And it was way less than I imagined. Am I am I able to you know, know the number? Way less people than I than I thought I had slept with. So it was pretty cool, actually. So I was never really loose. I never had an orgy. Never yeah. had three ways or any of that. Mm-hmm. And and when I was with someone, I tried to just be with that person. Do you think that people have gotten more uptight in a sense about sex um, than they were in the sixties and seventies? Because as an outside observer, of course, being born in eighty nine. You know, I look back on the 60s and the 70s with kind of this, you know, like rose-colored glasses. Like, oh, this was such a liberated time. Women were, you know, doing what they wanted, wearing what they wanted. And now it's like I breastfeed in public and I get really bitchy glances from everybody around me. And I I feel like society's prudish. Sorry you have to go through that. I think it's really about the same because, you know, there was just a small section of people mm-hmm. who were hippies flower children freaks and stuff. very you know the rest of the world just carried on yeah so it seemed like it was a huge movement right and you know to some degree it was because it permeated mm-hmm. the atmosphere certainly this the spiritual aspect of that era carried through thank goodness right i think that's one of the most important things that that came out of that absolutely you know and george harrison really brought the east to the west and changed everything Mm-hmm. He doesn't have credit for that. But 
I think it's still very uptight sexually. Look at that monster we have in office. Oh, who has? You can only imagine what he's gotten up to. Pamela, and he's I, anti-abortion. He's oh my god. Look, I, I, it makes it makes me sick. And honestly, I, I think about that a lot. And then I see how that. And again, because I do run a motherhood account, and that's who my audience is. That's who I talk to every day. And I'm in I'm in Canada, so. I have, you know, 18 months mat leave if I want. I look at what's going on in the States. There's no respect for women, for mothers. They get treated, I'm going to swear, they get treated like fucking garbage. And it, it makes me so sick and so sad that the mother and everything that is feminine and wonderful, everybody loves women, loves sex until they have babies and until the system has to take care of the babies. And do you, like, what do you think is missing that we could have carried on from the 60s and 70s and brought to today? Like, what do you, what do you think is missing? What element do you wish we still had? It was very equal. That's, yeah, we can go back to Almost Famous here. It was actually much more equal than it was portrayed in Almost Famous, mm-hmm. men and women, in that scene that right. I was in. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Trump has, has allowed people who are, have been hiding this misogyny and racism and yeah. stuff to expose themselves happily and eagerly because he Mm -hmm. did so we're in a rough time right now i don't think we can compare right now to almost any other time because of him no i agree yeah and so i (laughs) was mentioning well you know i and i could go on all all day about that and it would just be yeah we gotta go so i I have a class (laughs) in 20 minutes oh i know yeah we'll we'll get you out of here but before we do i do want to ask you about sex in your 70s not during quarantine is there a big dating pool? I wouldn't know. I told you I'm totally single. Well, that's and I what I was going to ask. But go you're not online. looking? Are you, are you single and looking or are you just kind of content? Um, I'm always, oh, I'm always open. Mm-hmm. I'm always open. But certainly in the quarantine, it's very hard to meet anyone. I know. And I cannot go on online dating because I'm too notorious. <laughs> do oh, you, yeah. do you oh, think yeah. that men would try to date you and try to strike up conversation just for you know the chance to sleep with the infamous Pamela DeBar or or the opposite just think <laughs> I'm the you know I I still I did a, a zoom uh, interview the other night with Ahmed Zappa because he's a, Frank's son he's going to mm-hmm. re-release the GTO's album make a big deal That's out amazing. of it which is really cool and some guy piped in and said how does it feel to be a repository for all those rock stars are you kidding yeah so I still, 50 years later, I still get that misogynistic crap online, on Facebook, on Twitter. Who do you who do you get certain, the most shit from, men or other women? Mostly men, yeah. And do women you find like understand you, and even if they're not going through it, do you think that they kind of live vicariously through that, like through your experiences? What do you mean? My my past experiences? Yeah, because I find that, you know, sometimes women, even if they haven't had, you know, been very sexually liberated in their life, they can either look at a woman who is sexually liberated with contention or they can kind of, you know, look at her with respect in the sense that they kind of wish that they had those experiences. Yes, it's more that. Mm-hmm. With women, I get much more of that, especially from very young women. Yeah. I have teenagers reading the book. Every... <laughs> Every generation, I get new fans who are finding I'm with the band, which has been in print for all these years. Mm-hmm. And just yesterday, I heard from a teenager, 17, 17, and she was thanking me again, you know, like so many have 
for opening her world, making her feel <laughs> like she can do whatever she wants now. And, 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 you know, for the freedom to mm -hmm. express herself happens almost daily. So I'm thrilled that that was a side <laughs> effect of writing that book, because that's certainly not what I had in mind. I was just telling my story. <laughs> no, well, I, I relate to that 17 year old because that's about the age that I was when my friends and I read your book. And what I loved about it was the innocence that you enthusiasm that you kind of describe everything with and your experiences and because of your age and you know your diary entries and things like that you just feel like you're I, I was felt like I was contemporary because I was the age that you were when you were going uh -huh. through all these things oh, oh, I love that cool. about yeah. your writing yeah that still happens yeah but that that book has a sequel and there are several others I hope people read them I hope they listen to my podcast I have a column at pleasekillme.com where I tell a lot of the same stories in my books, but much more depth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, and you know, as an older person, looking back, I remember I recall different things and different feelings. So you know, I have a column. I work my butt off. I never oh, stop. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. And um, Pamela, before we go, is there any one piece of maybe sex wisdom, sex advice that you could give you know younger women, my listeners? Don't think. Don't think? <laughs> Don't think. In regards just, to what? Let, just open yourself up to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Don't think about what you look like. You, you have, it's a, you know, a little flubber on your tummy or your legs or, you know, just don't think about anything when you're getting laid. You can say, you know, if you gaze, <laughs> my, my favorite thing about it is gazing into the eyes of the other person. Yeah. And losing yourself in that now that that is like the most blissful thing in the eyes while all the other stuff is going on that's the, that's the touching god <laughs> but yeah and also you know in in class i tell people don't think let mm -hmm. the let it come through you let it let it just be get your ego out of the way i love that i love that so much pamela Thank you so much for your time tonight. I truly appreciate it. I have been a fan of yours for so long and I'm, I'm sweating like crazy <laughs> because I've been so <laughs> well, thanks nervous. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, honey. <laughs> so where can people find you? Where can listeners find you if they want to learn more about your story and keep up with well, you? Uh, Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party. I, I interviewed so many people. I interviewed my first lover, Nick St. Nicholas. I interviewed Johnny Eccles from Love, and like I just said, Alice Cooper, and a bunch of other groupie girls. I mean, it's mm -hmm. so yeah. Pamela DeBar's <laughs> pajama party on every platform. PamelaDeBar.com is my is my uh, website, mm -hmm. and my column is at pleasekillme.com. And you know, if when it, when it starts up again, and I do my rock tours, I also post my writing workshops on my website That's when wonderful. I'm traveling. Right now, I'm doing them on Zoom. That's wonderful. And Find me on Facebook and Instagram too. I'm very interactive with people. That's so fantastic. So if you want to say hi to me, please do. That's the best, folks. Thank you so much to Pamela DeBar. And Pamela, as an aside, what really sucked me into the legend of you was all your Frank Zappa stuff. I was the only kid at my Canadian high school who was obsessed with Frank Zappa. And wow. a little a little bit very, of me even wise. wanted to suggest uh, Moon Unit as a name for one of our daughters, but I know Shane would never have it. <laughs> Oh, Moon is still very, very close to me. I've known her her whole entire life. Oh, that's wonderful. But Pamela, thank you so, so much. And uh, all the best with your class in, what, 10 minutes? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. There you have it. That was Pamela. Now, you're really grilling her at the end there. I, I was just, you know what, I the vibe changed for me towards the end. And I just felt 
so much more comfortable and I think it clicked in my head that I was like okay Alex this is your chance to ask her what you want so actually do that and don't just be nervous because I want to like you know respect your elders type thing and (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if if she's listening if she kind of if she likes hearing that well respect your former babes I don't know respect the babes that came before you I'll put it like that. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to ask her anything she wasn't comfortable with. But then I was like, no, this is my chance. And I really felt when she was giving the advice to young women, I, I really so felt into that. And I love where she's coming from. And I felt like she got a little more comfortable too. But I loved that interview. I had so much fun with it. It was just funny at the beginning, like one of your questions, I forget what it was, but it's like when you're like chasing these guys around <gasps> or something. But here's the thing. I stand by that question. You both were like, no. But then she later kind of said something similar to that because it's like, no, she had that free agency and she was doing what she wanted and she was going after the guys that she wanted to go after because she was attracted to them in so many ways. I know. I just think the connotation was not... Oh, I know. But that, that that's what I wanted it to, to be like and it was not taken like that and I, I felt... Oh my God, I got shot down. I was so embarrassed. Okay, so I think it's time for Emily Schneider. Let's do it. She is the Empowerous. And it was it's a really fun talk just about, you know, pregnancy, being first-time parents. And then again, we get into the Reiki, the tarot, what that all means. So if you're not into it, like Shane and I had no idea what we were talking about. And it was so interesting. And we really liked it. Now I could host a TED Talk on Reiki. <laughs> but we're going to get to that interview in a second because first I want to Alex to tell you who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs, everybody knows, make the best nursing bras on this planet. Well, everyone who listens to this pod knows. Everyone who listens to this pod, everyone who lives on our street, because I have been going outside in only my nursing bra for the last two months. It's been very embarrassing for me, (laughs) especially when the weather's been extremely cold lately with fall coming up. Well, you know, comfort is key. But you don't only have to be a nursing mother or somebody who is postpartum to enjoy the comforts of Bravado Designs. Could you be prepartum and enjoy it? You could be prepartum or you don't have to be any kind of partum to enjoy their everyday collection, which has no clips, but the same amazing comfort for your boobs. And where can they get these unbelievable bras? Now, if you want to check out the nursing bras, you can go to bravadodesigns.com. However, the Canadian website has both the nursing bras and the everyday collection, and that is ca.bravadodesigns.com. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree20 at checkout, you're going to get 20% off your order. But we are also supported by... We are supported by Seedlip. Seedlip is the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. It's crafted without alcohol, sugar, and calories, and solves the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking. And it's something we look forward to almost every night now. It's like our oh new... Oh my God. What, are the, what is that called? Ritual? Definitely a new ritual. It's so much fun not only to sit down and have the drink, but the process of making them. Because we've gone from pairing seed lip just with a splash of tonic or soda water to actually making the tougher drinks in the recipe book. Yeah, some people meditate. We make seed lip drinks. <laughs> yeah, we have two kids. It's a relaxing thing for us that we can do fairly quickly. No, it's the best. In each of seed lip's three variants, you have Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42 are all alcohol-free and pair perfectly with whether it be a splash tonic or something more complex like Shane and I are getting into. So if you want to be like Shane and I, you can pick up the Seed Lip cocktail book and learn how to make some of these delicious drinks. So head over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and follow at seedlip underscore NA on Instagram for more ways to enjoy. And enjoy you must. 
But now let's get to our interview with the Empoweress, Emily Schneider. Emily, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited to talk to you. So for the listeners, we have Emily Schneider, the Empoweress. So start off, the Empoweress. What is, it sounds like you're some mystical being. I love it. <laughs> in my household, I definitely am some mystical <laughs> being. It's a quite, it's not a convoluted story, but it's quite a long story how it came to be. So Shane, obviously you've interviewed my husband, Max, before on the road. <laughs> and I spent the past four years of my life on the road with him in a tour bus of anywhere between five to 12 men, Jeez. always surrounded by a lot of smelly men. <laughs> and um, it was great at the beginning and I loved being with Max and traveling. And then I started to get a little disillusioned with myself and just not finding like I was reaching any goals of my own. Mm. And so I started looking for not necessarily careers, but things that I could do that fulfilled me that I could do on the road. Mm -hmm. And a couple of failed projects later, I came to the Empowerus <laughs> after having, Max and I both had surgery within six months of each other. Oh, and I accidentally came across Reiki through my own surgery. I had had, um, are you familiar with the disease endometriosis yes. at all? Yes, um, his stepmom has it. Oh, mm -hmm. it's the worst. It is, and Actually, not a lot of people know about it unless somebody mm -hmm. in your family is going through it. I, I didn't until her, yeah. And I feel like I don't know a lot about it. Could you no. ex just explain what that is? Yeah, totally. So it's uh, basically where you get these small blood lesions around the outside of your uterus and your ovaries and basically every organ mm -hmm. inside of your stomach. Mm -hmm. And it causes really painful periods. It can cause infertility. It it's just it just sucks. It's so painful. When you say painful periods, you mean like your woman period, not just a painful time, right? <laughs> and both, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like two weeks of every month, I'd be doubled over in pain. Mm. I would have to take pain medication every day. You know, it just it's such a disruption of your life. And mm -hmm. actually, one in ten women have it without Jeez. being diagnosed because we're just told to just like it's normal deal with Different it you're a woman does that affect your ability to conceive it can yeah sometimes so lena dunham, dunham is a, like a public figure who talks about it a lot and some women actually have to have their uterus removed because it's so infected with mm -hmm. these lesions and they can't seem to manage the pain with birth control or pain meds so in my case obviously I'm pregnant now, so it didn't affect Congratulations. me, but it is it's a scary thing that you don't know if it's going to affect you. Like, are you the person that won't be able to get pregnant because of this? Long story short, I ended up having a surgery for it where they remove all of the lesions. Wow. And at the same time, they removed my appendix, which was oh like the craziest surgery ever. It was so complicated. They had to call in a second surgeon. It was supposed to take 45 minutes. It took four hours. Jesus. It was madness. And in my recovery, I noticed if I put my hands on my stomach, I could like move the gas in my <laughs> stomach around, That's... which was a unique experience, but it helped me recover faster. And then I started researching it and then I got certified and that's how the Empowerist was born through me realizing my intuitive ability to <laughs> heal myself that's incredible and I, I just have to say so uh yeah his mother-in-law who's at our house all the time she's our daughter's nona she was unable to have children she's because, your mother-in-law mm -hmm, my mother-in-law your stepmom yeah and she was unable to have children <laughs> because of endometriosis and so shane is like she feels like he is her son and you know same thing with our daughters and it's such a tough thing and honestly i didn't know it was so common that one in ten like when do you realize that you have it at what point in your life I realized 
two years ago. Um, so I'm I'm 29 now. I was I had discovered it right before my 27th birthday because I had gone to doctors throughout my whole life since I was I got my first period at 12 and the, every doctor had just been like, oh, it's normal. It's fine. Just take this birth control. Take this higher dose birth control. You know, you start getting crazy with birth control. They're mm -hmm. like depression pills. See, no, this this makes me feel like screaming fuck the patriarchy because this has been a theme running on so many of our podcasts recently where it's like women aren't getting enough care postpartum or they're not getting enough time off work or now in COVID, we've, we're hearing situations where women are the ones that are leaving their jobs and things like that. And so many doctors, so many doctors from so many of our guests are like, oh, it's okay. That's just a part of motherhood. That's just part of postpartum. That's just a part of your period you'll be fine and then we're left in the dust with endometriosis you know what i mean that's this is such a running theme and it's it's pissing me off hearing this and me too quite frankly it was a lot of female doctors who wrote me off as well saying that it was all in my head or i just needed to exercise more or i shouldn't eat bread or i was like what the fuck mm -hmm. i've tried everything under the sun i'm starving i don't want to work out i'm in so much pain just help me but i agree with you it's mm -hmm. it's maddening so reiki is what really helped you is what you're saying yeah exactly mm -hmm. um and then in the same year max had had his surgery on his voice where he had had a polyp on his voice oh, wow. he had it removed he was terrified that he was never going to be able to sing again understandably mm -hmm. and i would do it on him and do it on myself and it um it it's really it's a really relaxing practice as well as well as healing and so it kind of gave us both um, a little bit of control in our healing that wasn't medicinal, like chemicals, mm -hmm. and that we could, you know, like spend time connecting together in the madness of the world that we live in on the road and just the whirlwind of our life. It's been the best, truly. For not just listeners, but for me, because I only know Reiki as something a friend of a friend does or something that I've seen on Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop show. So can you explain <laughs> Reiki in layman's terms? Yeah, I feel like us? it has a bad rap too. I yeah. feel like a lot of people, if you would, if I was to say on like our first date, oh, I'm into Reiki, she'd be like, oh, thinking I'm some like flighty, mm -hmm. weird person. It's a good something. point. It's a good point. I might. <laughs> but you seem so normal. <laughs> Thank you. you should spend a day in our house and see if you still feel that way. <laughs> so Reiki in basic terms is a Japanese healing art that's to do with energy. The way that I like to describe it is when you meet somebody, you immediately can tell if you are going to vibe with them or not because of their energy, right? Everybody has their energy field, their aura. And Reiki manipulates the energy through a Reiki person's hands, basically. So you concentrate the energy in your hands, you focus on connecting with the person and their energy, and the rest is just intuitive. It's it's hard to describe, but the, f if the first time that you experience Reiki being done to you, it's undeniable. It's a really powerful experience. Mm -hmm. And what are the limitations of its healing powers? Like I would think you wouldn't believe it could cure breast cancer or something like that, unless I'm putting words no. in your mouth. No, it's not going to cure breast cancer. It can be a part of somebody's healing process. And obviously, for something as powerful as cancer, you need to have mm -hmm. medical intervention. But the side effects of those medical interventions can be nausea. It can be fatigue that you can't, you're so, like babies, you're so tired, mm -hmm. you can't sleep. Mm -hmm. And I've never worked with a cancer survivor, so I can't say my experience personally. But it's, it's a relaxing practice as well. It kind of calms the energy down. 
so it can be a part of somebody's healing process for their mind just mm -hmm. to have a, a place for themselves mm -hmm. and for your birthing process are you going into it with the idea like oh i'm not going to use an, an epidural i'm going to be meditating and no. <laughs> she's shaking her head i'm definitely getting an epidural <laughs> yeah <laughs> at least that's the plan so far um, as we know those plans can change very quickly. But I've been using it throughout my pregnancy. Nobody tells you how painful pregnancy mm. is and how much it screws up your body. And just, I, oh, I can't yeah. even like think about the birthing process yet <laughs> because I'm still just trying to grasp what the fuck is happening to my body as this other human grows inside. How far through your pregnancy are you? I'm at 22 weeks, so I'm just over halfway there. Good for you, that's... Um, but I was I was so sick at the mm -hmm. beginning that I could barely stand. And with COVID, going to a hospital to get a drip was like not an option. Mm -hmm. And so Reiki was something that helped me through that process of just rehabilitating my weakening body um, to give myself a little bit of extra strength for the birthing process. I will use it as much as I can. I just, this is my first time, I have yeah. no idea what to expect oh i i do not like being pregnant i am a person that hates pregnancy the only things i like about pregnancy are people holding doors open for you and expecting less from you uh and of and course covid ruined that. covid ruined that i didn't get people holding doors open at work i didn't get my students being extra nice to me so it, it was tough so i understand you completely but i want to ask like for reiki and if you experiencing because i experienced awful nausea for up to 18 weeks terrible like I was getting sick 15 20 times a day and so weak is Reiki something that somebody can learn and then practice on themselves or do you need to go and see a healer like a certified healer to do that for you a little bit of both um so like I said I kind of discovered it by accident doing it on myself in mm -hmm. my own healing process technically you are supposed to be certified um, by a Reiki master. So there are four levels to the process. Level one is where you can do it to yourself and do it to other people in the room. Level two is where you can do it to yourself and people not in the room with you. Mm -hmm. So like long distance, which sounds insane. It does. Mm -hmm. It it works, um, believe it or not. Do you have to be looking at them like Zoom? When I do, I like to look at the person. I actually did it to my best friend, Derek, who's in New York. He has major um, digestive problems. He hadn't pooped in like five days. Oh. He was so stressed out. We had a, a session the next morning. He had like sludge, like sludge poops. <laughs> That's amazing. Congrats, Derek, on your sludge poop. <laughs> <laughs> and then level five is the Reiki master. And the master is the person who would help you through that process to become, it's called being attuned to the process. But for most people, if you want healing for yourself, it's better to go to somebody else because mm -hmm. if you're in your head and you're trying to do it to yourself, it's just like, doing anything for yourself is better to have somebody else mm. do it for you. And 100%. was Max a believer in this before he met you or did you kind of bring him over to the Reiki side of things? Um, a bit of both. He's he's really into acupuncture mm -hmm. and he's a very intuitive person anyway. I think that he thought that it was going to be like a fun little hobby for me when I first started doing it. And then the first session that I did with him, he fell asleep immediately and woke up like in a fetal position. He woke up and he was like, what did you just do to me? <laughs> That sounds amazing. Wow. Yeah, it does. So what would Reiki do for somebody like me? It's like I'm just, you know, I'm forgetful. I'm just got your regular stresses, mom stress, work stress, like Shane and I do this pod to get, uh, together. And I have a very hard time remembering things and kind of centering myself and thinking, okay, what do I need to do today to be productive? Like, can Reiki be healing for 
your mind as well or is it more of a physical body thing i'd say it's a bit of both i wouldn't say that it would help you remember things (laughs) but it would give you a place to relax and we hold a lot of like memories and pain in our body that we don't Mm -hmm. realize that turns out to be physical ailments and so it could help relax your body in a way that you didn't know it needed to be relaxed especially after something as traumatic as a birth Mm -hmm. that you you just get up and you're being a parent and you're going about your day you kind of forget about yourself and what you've gone through and you just start holding onto it and never really pay attention to it so reiki could help break up that kind of tension in your body which then might have the benefit to your mind that you have like one less pain to worry about but it's definitely not going to give you a memory back (laughs) sorry (laughs) no that's 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 all good And I just feel like there's, there are uses for it for me. Like I do also have lupus. So I suffer with, you know, like chronic pain and things like that, joint pain, fatigue. And I assume there's a place for it maybe there on my physical side of things, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. The physical side is, in my experience, one of the biggest upsides. When you do give birth, how, like Max is obviously, he's he's an actor, primarily a musician, I would say and you're doing uh, multiple things. How, how do you feel like that's going to affect your careers? Like who's going to take the hit, if anyone? Uh, me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, right now with the coronavirus, it's I don't know what it's like in Canada, but it's a mess down mm-hmm. here. We're in California and it's just skyrocketing every day. So every day we wake up and Max's uh, tour life seems to be getting further and further away. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the perfect time for us to have our first kid because he, under no other circumstances, would he get to be home for my entire pregnancy, the birth, the first at least six months of our child's life. Like, I couldn't have wished for that. Obviously, it's horrendous, the circumstances. Of course. But it is a blessing for us because... we don't really have another option yeah Yeah. no that's fair and we're kind of in the same situation so shane would commute and for the first year of our daughter's life our first daughter he was only able to see her on weekends and that was so hard because he's up you know as Mm -hmm. the sun rises and he comes home when it's dark and that was really hard but now he's been home for the last three months of my pregnancy which were like so hard and i was a slob and i couldn't do anything except for be on the couch (laughs) And now for postpartum and for the foreseeable first year of our daughter's life. And it's a blessing caused from something so unfortunate. I don't know. I I don't want to say the wrong thing. I feel like I'm going to praise in a way everything that's happening from COVID. But I do hope that it changes work habits. I know it's different for two musicians. But again, it's something that falls way too... Sorry, I'm getting... um... (laughs) (laughs) We need some Reiki over here. here. (laughs) (laughs) Some memory, immediate memory too. Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) Don't worry, I edit this podcast. It's going to seem totally normal once it's all edited. But I did want to start with this, but now we're like halfway into it and Lord Mm. knows what Alex was just saying. But how did you and Max meet? (laughs) Uh, We've met the good old-fashioned way through a friend. He was on tour as we've been literally up until the beginning of this year he was on tour with fallout boy and wiz khalifa which is like the funniest match of a tour ever i think um and we hadn't like seen each other in passing for the past few years and he was dating one person and i was like dating everyone and then it just so happened that we they had a week off in the middle of this tour which is unheard of you're lucky if you have 
a day off in the middle yeah. of a tour. They were in Chicago, which is where I was living at the time. And he took me on some dates. And then we've been on tour ever since. I literally would fly out every weekend, live on a bus with um, Fall Out Boy's guitar and drum techs, who were all like 60-year-old men who had been <laughs> on the road their whole lives. We'd share this tiny little bunk. I don't know if you've been on a tour bus before, but the beds are smaller than the smallest bed mm-hmm. you could ever imagine. But often you hear people saying, oh, your couple goals. I And looking at you and Max's Instagram account, I kind of get the impression a lot of people would put you in that category of, of couple goals. Do you think you're there or it's all like a facade for the web, the <laughs> World Wide Web? No, we, I think I never imagined, I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to have children. And when I met Max, I mean, we were married in nine months. That's mm. um, like us. So, oh, really? Same yeah. year. I did some uh, digging this morning. You guys married in 2016? Yes. Yeah. So this this year was your fourth wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Same with us. So in August, will be our fourth wedding anniversary. And we got engaged after six months, which is, I think, quite similar to what you guys did. Yeah, I think when I interviewed Max, he was just married. And I we did the uh, wedding ring touch the rings yeah but sorry he he loves to do the sizzle with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so our relationship and especially considering we don't have like a normal relationship like i said we have literally traveled the world 18 Mm -hmm. times over in those four years we're constantly surrounded by other men and we're never alone and we fight all the time like Mm -hmm. normal couples and we're really honest about it Mm -hmm. and i think that we I don't want to like say we're couple goals because that mm-hmm. seems a little um, un-British for my taste. <laughs> <Right>. But <laughs> we cutesy, we yeah. do really well. We have an amazing relationship. We you know we face our problems head on. We'd never go to bed angry. We like definitely will scream at each other, but mm-hmm. we won't mm-hmm. end it until we've figured out what the root of the problem is, and we always get better from it. I, I'm proud to say that. Well, I noticed when I interviewed Max, he seemed like a guy who's hard to push his buttons or get like a an overt reaction from him because my interview with him was quite silly. And he <laughs> went into it totally not knowing that I was going to be a bit of a goofball. And a lot of these people have gotten upset with me. And he was just totally <laughs> cool the entire time, danced his way off and then was fine with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is he like that in real life where it's kind of hard to get him riled up or was he just being a total professional with me? Um, I'd say it's a bit of both. If you, he, the thing that pisses him the most off is he's like you guys, like the hardest worker ever. He mm-hmm. is so focused on what he does. And if there's somebody that's trying to fuck with his flow yeah. mm-hmm. or say like, oh no, we can't do that without really trying. That's what gets him going yeah. um, because he's ready to do a hundred things to make his vision work. And sometimes when I'm being a little unfair and emotional and hormonal, then he'll every now and then snap back at me. But he he just always has his head down. He's just always mm-hmm. focusing on the bigger picture and the goal and just ready to do everybody's job to get it done. He's the best. When you're that driven and focused, do you have to have the conversation of, okay, how many kids are we going to have here? Let's just do one and done, make it manageable. Let's do two where it gets a little bit unequitable, or let's go for three and just live in a fucking madhouse. (laughs) You know, before I got pregnant, we were like, we want to have loads of kids. This would be great. And we can have a tour bus full of children. (laughs) And then the the first trimester hit, and he was just watching me throw up with his (laughs) 
huge wide eyes, not knowing what to do. And especially because he was at home. I got pregnant the first week of Corona. So he's literally seen the messiest, grossest parts of everything. And we're both just like, okay, maybe let's just do the one. See how we cope. And maybe some tubes are getting tied along the road, but mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> do you have the conversation, because we do often, about is it going to be a tubes tying or the vasectomy for the man? We go backwards and forwards. He's so mm-hmm. deathly afraid of any sort of surgery after his... I mean, we. I'd like to tease him because my surgery was way more intense than his and they were so close to each other. And already in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like all of the women's surgeries and the kind of things that you can do to prevent having children are much harder on women's bodies than they are on men's bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely there. From my research. Yes. According yeah. to my doctor as well. But again, it's just one of those things that kind of it falls on women to be the one to be responsible for that because mm-hmm. who knows why. I'm not getting touched down there by a doctor or mm-hmm. anything for the longest time now like i'm done i'm done having kids i'm done with any thing coming out of there or going into there well not going into there we'll wait a couple more weeks for that but (laughs) done with things coming out of there and uh you know that's that's difficult but i want to ask because the picture shane's painting of max you both seem so chill and do you have to be like a very relaxed person to start practicing Reiki because I'm thinking like this sounds like a really great way for Shane and I used to like doing meditations before we fell asleep and just something like that feels like something that might be good to help bring us down because Shane can often get he sounds like Max in that head down always focused willing to do 101 things to achieve that goal but then sometimes you know I think it weighs on him and Mm. you know he's just kind of lost in that in that goal and what he needs to do well, it's hard to relax until yeah. i feel like the work is done because if i go try to lay on a hammock right now and the work's not done i'm just thinking about the work mm-hmm. so i'm capable of relaxing i just need to get it done so you know? can reiki or is this we need to go the meditation route um i think it can be a combination of both and for someone like you shane i don't think that you practicing reiki on yourself would be very helpful because then you're just thinking about the Reiki and then that's just another job for you to do. Yeah. But I think that it definitely, in Max's situation, if he's at the end of the day, he's done with his work. If I can give him like a little session, he'll definitely be 10 times more relaxed and able to mm-hmm. let go of the thoughts, even mm-hmm. if the work isn't completely done. Because when is the work done? Let's be real. Like, exactly. There's always some, and especially with two kids. A million I mean, things. There's, there's always going to be something mm-hmm. to do. So I, it's Yeah, I think that just like any kind of self-care, besides meditation, obviously, nobody can do that for you. But if you're getting a massage, it's always better to have somebody else do the Mm -hmm. massage to you. Or if somebody is doing Reiki, Mm -hmm. it's always more beneficial to you to have somebody else do it to you. All right, Emily, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that we are supported by Hello Bello, co-founded by parents Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard. The eco-friendly line was created to eliminate the choice many parents face between what's best for their kids and what's best for their budget. And these diapers are definitely best for us. As we've stated in the past, it does not cause the blowout that tends to happen when you first have a newborn with those crazy weird poops. And you think that to contain blowout, you're going to need some kind of crazy diaper that's got you locked on, you with know, like every side. Yeah. But these are the softest, most gentle feeling diapers that I have ever touched. It's truly premium quality for a non-premium price. 
They're plant-based, they're organic, they're hypoallergenic, they're eco-friendly, and they are so, so effective. They refresh their adorable designs three times a year, and there's always cute ones to choose from. Shane, I haven't even shown you the Halloween collection yet. Candy corn, there's some cute, like, um, plaid patterns. What about ghosts? There's, I think there's some ghosty ones. I like the ghost ones. It's adorable. You're really going to love it. Lucy's going to go crazy for it. So you can get these at hellobello.ca and in-store, which, which is super exciting for people who prefer to shop in stores. But why even bother? Because if you get these online, you can use the promo code ThisFamilyTree30 at checkout for 30% off your first diaper bundle. And that's not an audible typo. We actually said 30% off. You can get Hello Bello and say, hello, organic ingredients. And goodbye to the bad stuff. But we are also supported by... Beluga Baby. Beluga Baby wrap carriers allow you to hold and comfort your baby hands-free with their unique four-way stretch bamboo fabric. It stops the baby from crying. Yes. Beluga Baby wraps reduce crying by over 40%. For real, studies have been done that show baby wearing greatly reduces the amount of time your infant spends wailing. The difference of Beluga is all in the fabric. It's super soft, sustainably made, four-way stretch bamboo that is light, airy, and has the perfect amount of stretch so that you don't feel confined in any way and your baby has little bounce, which helps with gas and colic. It's certified hip healthy by the International Hip Dysplasia Institute, and they've got free shipping to Canada and the US. So if you want to get into Beluga Baby, go to belugababy.ca or belugababy.com and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 at checkout for 10% off. And they are quite stylish too. So stylish. We just got a tie-dye one that I've been wearing as a shirt all week. It's called the Joni, so pick that one up. You won't regret it. And now back to our interview with Emily Schneider. And do you plan to use Reiki in parenthood? Like, is this something that you want to start practicing or that you already know how to do? Like, is it different for children than would be for adults? Yeah, can you Reiki a kid? kid yeah, I would love like to Like who's Reiki. having a tantrum. Can you Reiki my baby's gas yeah. out of her through this? Alex. What? No, she's <laughs> so gassy. I've never tried it, really? but you yeah. probably could. Yeah, because she said she does long well. distance Reiki. And our new baby Betty is like a fart ball. I don't mm-hmm. know how else. To... That's her nickname, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I have no reason to believe that it wouldn't work and crazily enough children are better adults at doing reiki because they you know they're still in that magic mind they haven't Mm. been trained that like that's some silly game that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist if you tell a kid anything and they'll believe it and they'll just go along with it and so having that naivete in their mindset they can actually give really amazing reiki if they're taught how to do it that's fascinating so then what about during the process of childbirth so like i'm an epidural person i had a great time pushing out betty because i was high as a kite but mentally i was there just i couldn't feel anything and i was like so happy and uh, i was so present in the situation i felt like and i does think does the epidural make you high like no no like euphoric no i i don't maybe it does but i think there's so Many I thought it was things. just like a numbing agent. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't know. You're so euphoric anyways because of everything mm. happening. But I had a great time and I felt so present. And I think medicated births get a bad rep, especially by people in possibly natural healing communities like Reiki and things like that. But is there a way that you can, even through a medicated birth, because you have to go through obviously the labor until you get the epidural, is there a place for Reiki in that? Or are you going to be too like like what i would hope that in my process that i'd be able to use it especially for um things like contractions yeah i think it's not going to get rid of your contractions but it will 
help you, like you said, get in that that mindset of being present with the pain waves and just helping your mind focus through it as opposed to just being this like wailing ball of pain with no control over mm. yourself. Mm. But I, I agree with you that this world kind of poo-poos on medicated births. I've had so many people in my inbox being like, why aren't you doing an at-home birth? Why aren't you doing this? Because <laughs> like, I don't want to. Why? My mum always says, why would you have a root canal without um, without getting anesthesia just to prove that you could do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, that's, I have no argument to that. Why, I want to be present. I want to be able to focus on just being there to hold my baby when she comes out of me. Exactly. And, um, not be like totally exhausted from just dealing with the pain alone. Or, or like my thing was that I want to be there holding my baby and so happy, which I was, while they're stitching me up and doing me what they need to do. And I'm not focusing on that or feeling that because – I had to get an episiotomy my first time. And I am telling you, that is something I'm so glad I was numb as hell for because that that recovery was an issue as well. So if you ever get an episiotomy and you want to drop a line, I can commiserate with you. <laughs> um, but, I'll be hitting you up. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to ask, because on your website, so you also have guided meditations and tarot readings. So how, do, how does that work? Like, Because I saw that you do tarot readings online for and people. is tarot reading real or is it just for fun okay so here's the thing a tarot reading is not a prediction of your future right i'm mm. not like i'm picking your cards and mm. not you are going to win the lottery oh, that's, i didn't know that that I kind of is was. the the reputation that it has when you think of uh, tarot in my mind the way that i approach it is that if i'm same thing with reiki if you're connecting with somebody's energy i always ask the person to send me a picture of them that they can you can see their eyes as we know the eyes of the window to the soul mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's how i start i'll pick a couple of cards and the the thing about tarot is that when i send the description of these cards to you you're gonna put your own story into the cards and so it'll bring up in your head what you may be sitting on like what you're not facing or issues in your own life that you know that you need to deal with and so it's kind of like a self-therapy where you can now see clearly through these messages what you might need to work on or what's Mm -hmm. bothering you that you haven't been facing as opposed to me being like this is your future so it's way more therapeutic than hocus pocus i didn't know i did not know that that's the way that I approach it. That's Some people do the whole this is your future situation. Okay. But um, I think that in present times, it's more helpful for people to I'm really encouraging people to help themselves as opposed to mm-hmm. looking for the answers from someone else. Do you find being pregnant, it's harder to be present? And what I mean by that is I was reading something somewhere that when you think of the past, it's, li- it's where depression lives. And in the future is where anxiety, all your anxieties live. So when you're pregnant, you're thinking of, oh, I used to not be pregnant and thinking about those times. But you're always looking ahead to the anxieties of having the kid. So are you finding, even with all your skills and meditative abilities, that it's really hard to stay in the present? One million percent. And I think that a big part of that is that the truth of pregnancy, you know, you mostly hear about the women whose pregnancies were perfect and Mm -hmm. like pain-free and sick-free and all of this stuff. I think that if I had a little bit more prep preparation mentally for that then I could be more present but I I spent the whole day in bed yesterday like feeling sorry for myself that my back hurts and my ankles hurt and Mm -hmm. like I can't just I'm like the only sober person in the room not that like Mm -hmm. I drink all the time or whatever but it's there's so many parts of yourself that you lose being pregnant Mm -hmm. that I wasn't expecting to have this kind of identity crisis almost 
Absolutely. I call all of the things that I enjoy getting my nails done. I enjoy, I can't, I mean, things that you can't even do in Corona anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. but no, absolutely. there's so many things that you can't do. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And it, it impacts how you see things in your interactions with people. Even if the only person you're interacting with is your husband, it's going to interact with that. And like for me, when I was pregnant and Shane was around, it's like, fuck, like he doesn't even realize the shit that I'm going through every day. He doesn't realize the pain I'm in and he's there and he's trying to be mm-hmm. there. But like, I wish that he could feel it. And I know Shane wishes that he could like feel it too. Just I want to feel the pain. I know you yeah. do. And it's, <laughs> but it's hard. Cause then no matter how much somebody's there for you and Shane was so there, you're still going to feel isolated in that. And I think postpartum is so so similar and nobody told me about that either nobody told me postpartum was going to be hard i thought i was only going to be tired but it's Mm -hmm. like a million more things than that and it's hard to see the person you love in pain Mm -hmm. too so when i hate pregnancy just because she hates it (laughs) if she loved it i'd be like i love it you know this is great she's in such a great mood but she's just going through such hell like i'm the second she had the kid i was like we'll never have to deal with pregnancy again it was such, such a liberating feeling and the postpartum the first time around that was really bad yeah. for her luckily this time there's been it's, i think it's, it's been better. Been, it's been so much better and mm-hmm. i think it all boils down to the fact that i knew what to expect and only because i had experienced it had people prepared me for it the first time maybe i wouldn't have had postpartum anxiety maybe i would have been more emotionally stable and you know known what to do with my pain or that i was going to experience pain at all but do you find that people kind of kowtow around what happens postpartum with you like as a woman who's hasn't gone through it yet or do you find that people are now starting to be more honest with it i think it's been interesting because with covid i have i've lost a lot of that like female connection most of my mm-hmm. my women live on the east coast mm-hmm. and so not being able to see them everybody's so caught up in their own lives I've kind of lost a lot of the connection that I think has been really, that's been missing from my pregnancy. I've been mm-hmm. around men the whole time. Yeah. And so I haven't really had much of the the dialogue. My mum kind of has prepared me, but a lot of it that I'm finding helpful is through my own research, as with my endometriosis as well. It's like from following people like you, so I can mm-hmm. see the, the people who are truth-telling and mm-hmm. not glamorizing, like, oh, look at me and my cute bump, and now look yeah. at me and my <laughs> cute baby, and everything's perfect. Yeah. Uh, because that's just not, it's not reality. Yeah. I always thought, oh, the hard part is the birth. That is the big painful thing to be scared of as the woman. But to, uh, watching it for her, the pregnancy was terribly yeah. painful and uncomfortable. The birth was like world's easiest yeah. birth was fine. And then the postpartum was a, a level of hell that mm-hmm. we weren't prepared for. So it's so interesting that there was all this fear surrounding just the, the ring of fire when the baby comes out. And it was nothing for Alex. I'm sure mm-hmm. for other women, it's horrible. Yeah. But then the postpartum, which we didn't think about at all or worry about, was something that was really a huge mm-hmm. struggle for us. And that like that six weeks after our first daughter was born, that was uh, a very weird period for me yeah. because I thought I'd be taking care of the, the child, but I was taking care of mm-hmm. my wife. Like the child was fine. easy, just fine. <laughs> they just sleep. Yeah, I, I suppose if you think about the, you know, when you're looking forward to something, it's like, say, looking forward to a vacation, the vacation's the best part mm-hmm. because you've got all of these like you're so excited you're meeting your baby you're on vacation whatever is Mm -hmm. happening and then you come home from that and then those the brain chemicals settle down and the oxytocin's left and 
then you're just back to reality again and you're like oh shit mm-hmm. what? now what yeah. now you're not visiting your doctor once a month or every three weeks or whatever it is and yeah. i know i don't know how it is up there but here you have one doctor's appointment after you give birth same here like six weeks mm-hmm. and that's it yeah that's, <laughs> that's really it crazy. like i've spent the past nine months living in my doctor's office and now i just yes. get one appointment what is this and the baby gets seen whatever two weeks every three weeks whatever it is and we were just talking about this and how women need to be seen physically and that's how so many pelvic floor issues develop is because we only have that one appointment and how a lot of you know mental illnesses postpartum go unchecked because we only have that one appointment mm-hmm. and then you bear the brunt of it or the partner bears the brunt of it and it's it's hard it's hard it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And I know that everybody's least favorite thing in pregnancy is unsolicited parenting advice. But Shane, if you could give Emily one piece of unsolicited parenting Wait, advice or, or, just, or pregnancy <laughs> advice, because I'm, I'm just thinking the one thing I wish somebody told me about was perennial massage. If you're yeah, not doing that right true. now, start it. Max can help out if he wants. Okay. Yeah. Look it up. There's Sounds techniques central. online. It could be. <laughs> yeah. Parenting advice, I think, no, would be fine. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, like, like, um, anything to do with that like yeah, pregnancy the, postpartum the vagina whisperer we just had her on the pod and she seemed to think that not en- enough women are prepping the vagina mm-hmm. and like, i didn't yeah well enough and because uh, she had you had a lot of tearing yeah right? that was so disgusting. you don't want that now that disgusting. was a big problem with, with the postpartum mm-hmm. but uh yeah. yeah i had to sit on a donut for months on end <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to talk about uh the cost of pregnancy because we're lucky we live in canada everything's covered so i never think about the actual money exchange when you have a child i heard something like it's ten thousand dollars just to have a a baby in the states is that true or has that been grossly exaggerated i guess suppose it depends where you are and we haven't even figured out what that's going to be technically our insurance covers a hundred percent of the pregnancy experience but it's insurance so are they going to say well as soon as that baby's out of your body Mm -hmm. you're no longer pregnant so now you're in hospital for two days so we're not covering that Mm. um we have had uh, like colleagues, we have a, a woman in New York who she had a baby and she got charged $80,000 for those first two days of life. How? $80,000. Did she have to go through something incredibly unusual? What the fuck? Nope. Whoa. So what, like, do it's they- just that gap in her insurance. Do they put like, if you don't have the cash up front, do you have to put the baby on layaway or like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? <laughs> That would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the, um, the way that they solve that problem. No, you just, I mean, so many Americans go into major debt and lose everything because of medical debt. And you just, you just pay it off. When I had my Jeez. surgery, because they had to call in a second surgeon, I got a bill for $400,000 oh to have God. my appendix removed. This is not like brain surgery, or I'm not going through like 10 years mm-hmm. of chemo. Like, I had my appendix removed and so we were able to fight it but y- you just never know the hospital could ring up mm-hmm. different things in your bill that you never Jesus. even had done to you did you just shit your pants when that when you get that bill what, what did you like what, i asked if you shit your pants <laughs> <laughs> max shit his pants <laughs> I, uh, but luckily we have a business manager who deals with all of our finances mm-hmm. so he handled it which is the only reason why i was able to stay calm because i was like this is ridiculous like there's no way that we should be expected to pay this oh. we we have amazing insurance like mm-hmm. just be i was on the table i was asleep i was sliced open and just because you had to call somebody else to do my surgery 
Why does yeah. that make mm-hmm. me responsible for almost half a million dollars? That's Jeez. any Canadians listening. I mean, be happy with our, you know, six hour wait times because all of this is free for us. Mm-hmm. So I, I am feeling incredibly grateful right now. This is insane. Mm-hmm. And what's your fear level like going into a pregnancy? Well, well let's face it. Your birth is probably going to be in COVID times. How do you feel about that? I've kind of spent most of my time avoiding thinking about it. Um, oh, never mind. I am... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring it all up to the top. Um, I, I'm not necessarily nervous about the pain. I know that I want an epidural. My doctor is amazing. I think that the thing that's bothering me the most is that I can't see my mum throughout this mm. whole process. My mum can't be in the hospital to meet my her first granddaughter. My I have a lot of family in England who won't be able to come and mm-hmm. meet the baby. My grandma in England is like on her last leg. She mm. probably because of this situation won't get to ever mm-hmm. meet this baby. So nice. I think the it's the emotional side of it that's the most traumatizing for me to think about because mm. I am really close to my family and this is just really put a damper on things in that, I in that sense. I know that my doctors will take care of me. I know you know, I'm expecting pain, I'm expecting the recovery, I can deal with that. But that's what I'm missing the most, I think. Do you have any expectation or sense like you or Max when he'll be able to go on the road again and actually put on a show safely? I'm not sure if he's even been performing at all in the last four months. No, he hasn't done any live shows. He's been figuring out ways to perform online and just he's Mm -hmm. always working. And he has his album coming out September that was supposed to come out in May. So he's constantly reconfiguring his schedule he currently has shows scheduled for february but the likelihood of those happening are very slim mm-hmm. realistically we're looking at the end of next year say october yeah. or november my wow. goodness so no october november 2021 yeah wow. that's insane Jeez. that's so insane Well, I just want listeners to know that, again, this is Emily Schneider, and you are a Reiki healer. Emily, where can people go to get connected with you or to get a tarot reading, listen to a guided meditation, things like that? You can find me on Instagram. I actually have to look at my own Instagram (laughs) because I always forget my own handle, (laughs) which is v.empowerus and you can find my website on my instagram or the link is www.v-empowerus.co lovely Perfect. and thank you so oh, much well, for wait let's what? also promote max because oh. i'm not sure if they share a bank account but i think <laughs> i think his success is your success so how do people contact max and is it tricky him just having the three letter name because max call. is fairly ubiquitous as a name you know what he has every day it's like a question in our house like do i change my name do i change my name i'm like no babe because when you get to be at the level that you want to be like share is yeah. share seal is seal max will be max i like that um so you know as he's found his success um he comes up much further in the google search which is awesome but he is just at Max Music. He has a new album coming out in September that is incredible. I'm so proud of him. He's been working on it literally since we got married. And it's just, I think that there's something for everybody in there. That's Perfect. Incredible. So check out Max. And as far as I know, he is the most popular Max I can think of. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, good luck with the rest of your pregnancy. I feel yeah again pregnancy hater here uh not that you hate it but i did and uh, i do i do i do i do but uh yeah good luck with everything and truly like so excited for you also i've been dying to say this entire chat 
you have the coolest headboard on your bed mm-hmm. or whatever you're sitting it's on. It's very cool. It's That's like a bit like, of an Egyptian yes, vibe. Yes. It's a bed. Where did you get that? Egypt. No. Oh. <laughs> anthropology. Oh, oh, God. Anthropology is amazing. That's Fake amazing. <laughs> and uh, Emily, yeah, thank you so much for chatting with us. We could have taken up way more of your time than we already did, which mm. is nuts. But uh, it's it's nice to talk to nice people during these shitty times. I agree with that. Yeah. So I thank you so much. agree more. And thank you for having me and being, you know, real about pregnancy and postpartum life because you're helping a lot of people out there. I hope Truly. so. Thank you so much. All right, Chat bye, later, Emily. Emily. Take care. Bye, guys. So what would you think? Oh, that was awesome. And again, it felt like I have known Emily for 10 years. And that was my, you know, 100th time talking to her this week. Like she has such a great vibe. And if I'm going to get Reiki done, get my tarot read by anybody, it will be her. But no, she she's the best. Such a cool girl to talk to. But now let's get to the part that we like the best. Maybe a lot of people skip over this part, but I can tell you we like it the best. This is where we answer listener mailbag questions. All right. Are you ready, babe? Have you looked over these? Yes. Good. The majority. I didn't see the last two. Good. I'm ready. What was your approach to baby proofing? I'm wondering how paranoid I need to be. So we have a lot of things in our house that could be dangerous to babies. We have an open fireplace, albeit we don't light fires in it, but it's still pretty hazardous. Yeah, bats hide up there. <laughs> yeah. We had a bat problem in the house before. Um, there's a TV that's not tucked away in the corner and because it's pulled out. So the, the TV is really obstructing like a pathway. For the internet. Uh, we do it because our Wi-Fi doesn't work unless the TV is in this terrible position. And we have a big, um, what is that called? shuffleboard table in the middle of our house it's really not stationed in a great place and then we also have a really sharp hard glass living room table and this is all to say that our house is not baby proof it's probably one of the worst houses for not being baby proof yeah um we have a gate a baby gate that we were putting in front of the stairs when lucy was really curious and not great with the stairs because she just had a fascination with them for a while where she'd always try to climb them so we'd put the baby gate there we'll put the baby gate you know if we're outside playing on the porch or something but other than that we don't we just don't i don't even know where the baby gate is right now do you no (laughs) i think think we lost it point is lou really adapted to this what's it called not a maze but an obstacle course Mm. i guess and so she's I think she's going to be a really good athlete because of this. Because I watch her maneuver around this house and I kind of marvel. I'm like, how can she be like, I think she got really good at it at like 15 months or 14 months. I was like, how is she doing this? I can barely maneuver like this. And she's so smart without even looking. She'll know how not to trip over wire, how to jump over this, how Mm -hmm. to roll under this, tuck under that. And it's just really made her nimble. And she's only fallen down the stairs two or three times. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. If you... The the first thing that I would do, yeah, baby gate your stairs. And next, I would put those like things that make it hard or impossible for little kids to open drawers because my biggest fear is Lucy getting her fingers caught and taken off, you know, in drawers. And I would cover electrical outlets with those things yes. that plug in. And any sharp corners on a coffee table. See, I bought things for our coffee table, babe. I bought safety things and okay, they well, just you, wouldn't stay there. Well, if you buy safety things, make sure they stay on, figure out a way to keep them yeah. on there. And like Lou had a, she was riding her little horsey the other day. 
and she flipped off the horsey and was like half an inch away from needing like brain surgery. Yeah. So we had to hide the horsey. But I, I think we need to possibly move this table during playtime. It's really going to be annoying for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. If you didn't have difficult pregnancies, would you have more kids? If I had more money, I would definitely have more kids because yes, pregnancy was so hard. But then if I could have somebody to do the cooking and the cleaning and, you know, nannying, it would be a lot easier. Even with how vain you are and the havoc it would wreak on your body. Yes. Wow. Yes. You've grown a lot, I find, when we first met. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is that you have... When we first met, mm -hmm. we would be in an argument or something. You'd be checking out your hair. For no, it's okay. Well, first thing, and doing mirror face. Okay, if we're arguing and I can get a, a glance to make sure that I'm looking my best, that I could possibly win you over in the argument, I'm gonna be doing that. But you, you're growing up, I guess. You know what? I think I'm finding confidence in myself in different ways. And don't get me wrong, I still am very vain in some regards but i do feel more confident mm -hmm. like way more confident than i did in my in my 20s at all i'm loving i'm only one year into my 30s i'm 31 i'm loving my 30s it's the best decade I think. oh my god and i'm having a blast that's good because i know you were very worried about 30s mm -hmm. so i'm so glad you're enjoying it do you feel like you have more confidence in your 30s than you did in your 20s well i had no confidence in my 20s so yes really none zero zilch zippo but you were hitting the dating scene and... Didn't really start hitting the dating scene till 30. Like, I, it was my 30th birthday, really, when I became single. Oh, no way. Yeah, so 20s wasn't like, was my worst year because I was so worried about my career and finding my own independence. Mm -hmm. I lived at home until I was 26. I was in college when I was 25. I, I felt like I was never really going to get anything cooking. And then 30, I was like, okay, I have a little bit of money. And I can, I got my license when I was 30 mm -hmm. to drive a car. So I was like, I can kind of be an independent man and not be embarrassed because I always had a veil of shame over me in my 20s. Yeah. No, I, uh, my 20s, I only have shame retroactively or in retrospect. But like, I had a great time in my 20s, but I did spend a lot of time just worrying about how I was coming across, what I looked like. And again, there's still worries that I have now, but they were just like pretty consuming at that point. And I don't know. I think it's honestly, I think it's becoming a mom. It, it put mm -hmm. things in a perspective for me. And it just made me, it made me feel very cool. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even better like fashion wise now. I don't know. Everything feels better. So if you're a listener and you're in your 20s, you just wait until your 30s. Is part of it because you know too that I'm trapped now? Like no, I, you no, know. no, no. Because here's the thing. I feel like, and it's not even like I feel, I know. And I mean, I don't want you to die. But if you were to. I would be able to do very well after. Even if we were to break up and you were still in the picture and we had like to share custody and everything, I know I'd be able to do exceptionally well. I'd like well. to think that men could get beyond like air quotes here baggage. Right. But I do feel like there is so much more of a stigma for a woman, and I could be wrong here, got to preface that, than it is for like if I feel like if I was a single widower yeah because you kids. and your friends would be looking for girls like in their early 20s when they're all fresh out of college no I'm late saying. 20s <laughs> but so many men are coming out of relationships with kids too and like blending families and things like that and i just i know number one maybe i'd go for an older guy who never had kids anyway or i'd go for a really hot hunk of a dad who got divorced or widow or whatever and blend our family but i do well 
Okay. Yeah. Interesting crowbar here. <laughs> For the Just... woman who's always like, it's like your go-to. No, I actually had a good conversation with Lucy's uh, daycare lady about what we would do if our husbands died and, you know, how we should remind the husbands every once in a while that we'd find hot guys. Well, you're certainly always reminding me how hot the guy from Highlander is a lot. And no, I'm I f- not. I feel like if I did the same to you, you would be much Shane, more upset. the only reason I ever bring up the guy from Highlander is because I want you to get a kilt so you could wear the kilt. That's the right. only reason because I just want you to be like, oh, Alex likes guys in Scottish, you had like, in like 17th century Scottish wear. You would like three days where you're trying to figure out how to get Highlander on our TV. You couldn't. You're so frustrated. <laughs> then you figured out you could buy it on iTunes. I see a $58 charge <laughs> for Highlander. And then you're always like hiding in your room alone watching it. It's Outlander. And I watch it when I put the baby to bed. And <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Shane, bottom line, I want you to get a kilt. Next question. Okay. Would you be in that? I don't know. What would I do in it? Am I wearing it out in public? No, you wear it at home and then you come in the bedroom and you're like, hi, Lassie. And then. Yeah, I'll do it. Just stop the accent. (laughs) Can you try it? Hi, Lassie. Yeah. Nice effort. Lassie. (laughs) All right. Next question. How do you know when your family is really complete? After you have two kids. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) When you run out of money. Okay. Ideal date night before, after kids. So ideal date night before kids. It was always too much alcohol before kids. So you'd wake up. The hangover was mm-hmm. just brutal. Uh, but that's the thing. If you, if you could craft an ideal night, then it wouldn't have that much alcohol maybe. Okay. I just think a really good meal. Like a really good meal, some drinks. Before kids? Yeah. And like going out and like dancing or dancing, something like that. Yeah. And I think it all has to do with time. Mm-hmm. Because if it's before kids... 3 a.m. is a great time to end the night. <laughs> and if it's after kids, I think 1 a.m. or 12.30 is a good time to start coming home. And then 1 a.m. maybe kind of have some giggles at the home and then be in bed by 1.30 so you can kind of oh yeah handle the next day. But yeah, I think same things. I wouldn't mm-hmm. change it too much. I enjoy all the same things I did in my 20s that I do now, except I, I respect the future more than I did in the past. Absolutely. So like the next morning hangover. But like our best date nights since having kids have been exactly that. You and I going out for dinner, drinks, and dancing. And I love a brewery. I love people watching. I love going to basketball games. Mm -hmm. I love arcades. Like I'm such like an 80s kid that there's this barcade. uh, In Toronto. In Toronto. Even though barcade sounds so lame. But it's not very hipster. It's like super old school. And it's called... Tilt. Tilt. And it's pretty amazing. It has Papa Shot. Every game oh, from so the cool. 80s. It's 10 bucks or 5 bucks. All you can play. Sell drinks. And to me, that's like, I want to have my 40th birthday there. For yeah. sure, I want to rent out the whole place. Yeah. Let's hope COVID's over by that point. I'm only 37. Three years is not over? I don't know. Maybe there's going to be something worse, babe. The, the murder hornets are coming. Okay. I read your Disney rant. Which princess do you like the most and which princess do you hate the most? Is Mo? Are we calling Moana a princess? Yeah, I'd say because like Pocahontas, even like she's a chief's daughter. That's essentially a princess, right? Lucy was calling Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz a princess. Yeah, she was. Do we call her princess in this? No, and she's not Disney. Uh, you go first. Okay, I think my favorite princess. Is, okay, so it would have to be. Is this to date or just like more? No, no, no. Like in general, like who I think I'm assuming who would we be happy to show lucy too okay you know what i mean so i think 
uh, Merida. So it's not about who I would date if you something no. happened to you. Okay. <laughs> no, I think Merida from Brave because she doesn't want the husband. She's so into her own thing. Like she really loves archery, things but like that. But wouldn't we want to promote Lucy wanting to be with her husband? And no, no. Here's the thing: she's so young, and her parents are trying to force her into a marriage. And she's like, "Hold on, guys, I'm not ready for this. When I am ready to get married, I want to marry somebody I love right oh, now." Okay. I, don't, I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, she's like, "Right now, I just want to focus on my own thing." And then she goes through this whole, you know, cycle of fighting with her mom, getting to understand her mother. And it's just a really good, like, coming of age story. So I think she's a great one. And Tiana from Princess and the Frog. Tiana, like, works so hard to buy the restaurant of her dreams. And then she doesn't want the print. She wants it for her friend. But then she ends up with the prince just because they make a really valuable connection with each other. I like Mulan. Uh, she had Mulan a good. Ass. She had a good mix of humor and kind of integrity and morals. Mm. And I really liked her. Mulan. I just checked it out for the first time the other day. So. And they have a live action one now too, which actually looks that pretty cool. That one looks more serious though. No, but I'm saying like for you and I to watch, like it looks pretty cool. Okay. And then which do you like the least? Although I enjoy watching these movies for nostalgia's sake, like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, they are. The lamest princesses. And Snow White. All three of them. So lame. I don't know which one I hate the most. Love watching the movies. But as princesses, they suck. They all have like 10 lines. Who do you hate the most? Well, sometimes I like someone who's not always chatting it up. (laughs) But who do I like the least? Yeah. I don't know. Just next question. All right. (laughs) Shane needs to get more up on his uh, princess knowledge. Any movies you recommend for kids? I like Goonies. Goonies is great. Not not for little kids, maybe. So what what would you say for little kids? I don't know. Actually, I'm not that picky with like I threw on Princess Bride. I threw on the other oh, day with Liv. That's amazing because I've been seeing it on there and I've been wanting to put it on. That's so great. Did she was she into it? A little bit for like Aww. you know I I would say her retention level was like slightly less than it yeah. would be on an animated cartoon, but she was into it at princesses and right up the top <laughs> they were saying princesses and yeah, yeah you know what's that guy's name the hunky guy Carrie Yules Carrie Yules yeah uh, so they, Dread Dread Pirate Roberts right sure yeah but I I like Goonies <laughs> yeah no I I like Moana and that's my number one recommendation and oh. We need to sit Lucy down for The Three Amigos because I think that's going to be a really good kids movie. Really? There's lots of fun. There's only a couple guns and deaths. Okay. I like Goonies. (laughs) Okay. Name one way in which your life could improve. More time, more money. But more money, more problems. No, I don't agree with that. No, I was just trying to quote the song, but I actually think more money... I don't think could make me like happier just because of things, but I just want more money to like pay off debt, pay bills, and then give us more time to work less and hang together. Yeah, like I'm talking like substantial money here. Yeah. And time, money, all it buys us is time. See, that's the thing. Like, I don't want stuff. I don't care about fancy cars. Like, I want a crappy car for the rest of my life because I don't want to get pulled over more. And all I think matters in life is having time to do things with the people that you like. Well, first you got to find... The most important thing I, I think is... I was listening to something or whatever, but I really agreed with it. It's like find... Oh, I think it was Laughing Couple Podcast. Mm-hmm. They had a guest on. He's like this billionaire guy. And he was saying that you need to find... Three most important things in life are finding a good bed because mm-hmm. you spend 33% of your life in bed. 
finding a job you like because you spend 33% of your life working and finding a partner that you really love because you're going to be with that person for mm-hmm. a, a huge amount of time. Yeah. So that is the most uh, important thing. What was the question? What am I talking about right now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> name one way in which your life could improve. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I guess... I guess my life, yeah, my life could improve by having, if I could have more time, my life could improve. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would say money because money buys time. All right, next question. How do you take the pressure off yourself and your partner when trying to fall pregnant? When trying to what? Fall pregnant. So fall if you're trying, pregnant. So if you're trying to get pregnant um, and there's a lot of pressure to maybe have sex when you're ovulating and mm-hmm. do it just to get pregnant, how do you take pressure off? We are bad people to ask because it was easy for us but from people that i know that have gone through this honestly it's just trying to keep it fun and i know there's a lot of pressure because you're under time limitations and things but i've honestly had some people that have just made extra effort to just keep making it fun and then i have friends and their partners who really were just kind of having an agreement and saying all right, we are having sex solely for the kid. Neither one of us has to have too much fun in it. And that alone took the pressure off just because they like agreed on having this objective and not making it about the romance. So then in that, a little bit more romance was created because they just didn't feel like they needed to. Do you have any tips? No, but I wanted to say thank you so much for listening to This Family Tree Podcast, episode 52.